All right, rock stars, this episode is brought to us in part by the amazing Salt Stick. You can hydrate all you want during your training, your racing, throughout the rest of the day to catch up on your fluids. But if your water does not have enough electrolytes in it, it's pretty much useless. It'll just run right through you. You got to make your water stick to you with Salt Stick. Check this out. Athletes that took Salt Stick finished a half Ironman race and an average of 26 minutes faster than the control group. In a study, research took a bunch of triathletes and gave half of them salt stick capsules and the other half just sports drinks. The athletes that took the salt stick capsules finished a 70.3, that's a half Ironman, race in an average of 26 minutes faster than the control groups. That's because it allows you to stay hydrated. It makes your water stick. You can make your water stick with salt stick by getting 25% off your order with discount code ZENTRY25 on the website shopsaltstick.com. Now, that's only in the United States, but you can find Salt Stick in 30 countries via the website saltstick.com and using our store locator available from the top menu. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the show. Here we go. You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we find ourselves through endurance and learn a little bit of Zen along the way. All right, this show we have Cecilia Davis Hayes. She's a former professional cyclist that is now a triathlete and was an amateur triathlete, but has announced that she's going pro. She said so during the interview was her first official announcement of it. It was really cool. And she's also a medical student and just has a whole bunch of things going on in her life and is a really good example of getting things done and excelling at sport at the same time and has just a lot of great insight on how she got where she was and is a good good motivation for the rest of us out there that want to get things done and as an example of what you can get done if you set your mind to it. I also have a little bit of training log. By accident, I ended up in the middle of a 100-miler down in uh, south coastal Texas, south of Houston, and on a camp out, and I got a little bit of recording from that. And just a lot of uh, cool random things mixed in after the interview. But first, we should go ahead and... We're not going to do news this episode. I thought I would give you insight on the latest and coolest tips on how to get things done. Little little, uh, gizmos and websites and things like that that make uh, fitting it all in a whole lot easier. I remember when I was talking to my dad years ago about why triathlon is so cool. And I said it forces you to be efficient. You cannot, you can try, you first try doing triathlon stuff and you kind of suck at it because you're not training enough. And then you're, then you're kind of like, well, I want to get better. You know, you're finishing it back of the pack and and you're like, well, I want to get better. 
And then you realize that you start to have to make choices and compress time and do without and forced to ask yourself, do I really need this? And do I, do I need to be doing that? And, and it makes you remove all the lazy out of your life and be precise and get things done and be efficient. And it really changes you as a person to fit it all in. And it's, uh, and you can tell how well you're doing it because it's measurable. So next, I want to give you a list of several things. Let me count them here. We got seven things that I've come across recently that will help you get your life together and will help you um, get things done faster, better. And yeah, that's enough explaining. Let's go ahead and get started. Is it seven? I think we'll find out. Okay, number one, treadmill TV. Uh, when you're on the treadmill, and I found this works on the bike as well, there's a YouTube channel called Treadmill TV that is point of view. That means somebody's uh, wearing the camera on their shoulder or on their head or on their chest, and they're running. And there's a whole lot of different versions of this. And I've been experimenting with this for, um, you know, over the time, like years, but uh, lately, um, months to weeks. And I found that uh, there's a specific type of video shooting that works really, really, really well. And Treadmill TV has it down. And uh, it's, it's very minimalist and it just goes. And that way, uh, when somebody else is doing something on the video, telling you all the stuff that's going on and, and all that, well, if it's not exactly what you're doing, then it's distracting. But when they just shoot, and there's no other input, maybe there's sound, you can turn sound off if you want, then you can do everything that you want. And it's just wonderful. And so treadmill TV fits the bill. Um, off road one that's good is Palo Duro Canyon. There's lots of oh, it's a lot of trail running, there's a trail running in the fog, which is really cool. And there's, uh, uh, there's uh, at least one running in the snow. And uh, oh, my, it's just awesome. So Check it out if you're on the treadmill. And also, it works on the bike. It's really weird. As long as you're going forward and there's things going past you on the screen, uh, it doesn't really seem to matter how fast it is. And it feels like you're mountain biking maybe. So you can be doing 20 miles per hour on your uh, triathlon bike on the trainer. And the fact that the video is only going, the person in the video is only going about six miles an hour doesn't seem to matter. It's really odd. So give it a try on the bike as well in front of your trainer. And what I do is I have a dedicated external monitor that I plug into my laptop and I just move it from in front of my bike to in front of the treadmill. I posted a picture on Instagram. I'm Zen Triathlon on Instagram of it running uh, on uh, the treadmill in front of the treadmill. And yeah, it works. It's pretty cool. All right, next is takeafive.com. So when this broke a couple of weeks ago, uh, the reaction was amazing. People, uh, So many people were like, how did you do this? What's going on? I didn't even think this was possible. And it's actually super simple. It's just a few lines of code. But this one website, you go there and then you type in the address of another website you want to go to and you choose uh, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, something like that. And you can also type in you know, your custom minutes if you want to be eight minutes or whatever. It opens up another browser tab for that long. 
and then it destroys it uh, after that after the time runs out and it's really cool because uh, we spend too much time you're on slow twitch or you're looking at google news and uh, you're like man i gotta turn this off and uh, before i get in <laughs> i don't want to stay in too long i just need to take a break from whatever i'm doing say i'm online uh coaching and i'm like oh i need to take a break and I say, okay, I'll open this and I'll, I'll surf the internet for like five minutes, 10 minutes, something like that. And the browser that it opens de- destroys itself. And that's your reminder that you need to go back and do what you were doing. It's really cool. And again, it's called takeafive.com. Okay, another thing is there's music out there for focusing in on stuff. And it's called, uh, there's an app on your phone focus at will with the at sign, uh, focus at will. And what I've found is they have all these different channels of music, like ambient music. And they got something that's absolutely crazy called people, music for people with ADHD, which sounds like jackhammers. It's crazy. That's how, you know, you don't really have the worst ADHD if you listen to this and like, you can't stand it and classical music and such. Uh, it's been found. Most people already know this, but it's been found that music without lyrics is the best stuff for um, for focusing and uh, tuning out the world while you work on whatever you're doing. And uh, because when there's lyrics, well, you start getting involved in the lyrics. It starts like bringing back memories of this, that, and the other. So it needs to be like a certain kind of music. And then through my searching through this app, I found the ultimate... Um, Music for both getting things done and for uh, working out at an easy to moderate pace, which is about 90% of what you should be doing for long distance triathlon and ultra running. And it's called the Alpha Chill channel on the Focus at Will app. Uh, The Focus at Will app is not free, um, but you can get it and then quit it at any time. But this is like it's got a kind of a downbeat tempo. It's like a chill out tempo. So it keeps you mellow, but it's got a beat to it. So it keeps you moving along and not stopping, which is great. And I found that it's just awesome for uh, riding on the bike or going out for a run. And because there's no lyrics and it's music that it's not music that you've ever really heard before. So you're not getting distracted by the music and, and thinking about, oh, I remember when they played this at that club and then there was that girl and oh my gosh, we went drinking out afterwards and it was just crazy all night long. Like you're having no, none of that. It's just nice and uh, you can stay focused on whatever you're doing. So it works both for staying focused at work and also staying focused um, and relaxing on the bike and not going too hard on the bike or on the run and not going too easy pretty cool because of the beat all right now um here's a gadget that i got uh, on the bike and on the trainer we have a uh, remote control fan so we needed another fan uh kai has been getting into riding on the trainer indoors and we had one fan and it is such just having the one fan it is such a pain in the butt moving the fan from uh in front of the bike to in front of the treadmill back to in front of the bike back to in front of the treadmill especially because you're alternating stuff because that's uh, what good travel and training is and the uh you get on the bike and you're not you're not hot yet and the room's cool 
So getting on the treadmill on the bike when it's cool and turning on a fan makes you cold, it makes you miserable, makes you not want to do anything. So then you get going, well, then you got to stop everything and then go turn the fan on. And it's just, uh, oh man, it's such a pain. I know it doesn't sound like a pain, but after the millionth time, it is a pain. And so when I was getting another fan so that we had a fan for Kai and a fan for me, I said, I'm going to get a fan with a remote control. And it's cool. So I want to recommend one. The Lasko, L-A-S-K-O fan was between 30 and 50 bucks. I'm trying to remember now. And, um, it's an adjustable fan that's, you know, it's on a pet, it's on a, it's on a pole, you know, so it's got the pedestal at the bottom and a pole and, uh, it's, it's of a decent height that you can adjust up and down and it's the 18 inch fan. So it's plenty big and it oscillates and goes eh, like that. It's all that. But the cool thing is it comes with a remote control, (laughs) So the most I have to do is put it in front of, I have to aim it. Yeah, it doesn't, the remote control doesn't control the angle or the oscillation. I thought it did, but apparently it doesn't. But it does control on, off, and the three different speeds, which is nice because I can get pedaling on the bike and be uh, riding along and then go, okay, time to turn up the fan. And I don't have to get off the bike and I don't have to unclip and worry about falling over and all this stuff and then uh, go turn on the fan one more notch and then wonder if it's enough. I just reach over and hit the little button on the remote and boom, fat on and then boom, faster. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, man, now it's starting to get hot, hotter. That fan speed's not enough. I can bump it up again. And it's a pretty powerful fan. So that is my uh, recommendation for that. And I also followed the advice of Thomas Gerlach. And oh wait, let's go back to um the treadmill TV. Uh, they have so many videos. I made a playlist out of a lot of them. I have like eight videos that I've picked out that I thought were pretty good. Let me see if I can give you the list that I've got so far. And dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air. While rolling is the name of my my thing. So old man's cave snow run tree tunnel on the van buren trail in michigan palo duro canyon gorge metro park trail run kodiak island alaska that's a cool one fog in the forest al sabo land preserve uh, high banks virtual trail run and that's um that's what I've got. Oh, and then uh, somebody tweeted at me. Let me see if I can get his name because he's contributed a lot. Uh, Run Steep, Get High is, a, is the name of another channel of ultra running stuff. And it's got a mix of like running and um, interviews and stuff like that. So it's not the point of view running stuff primarily. And let me give credit to whoever told me about that because I thought that was really cool that he mentioned it. And while we're looking that up, let's see, we got the fan. Oh, the desk. Um, <laughs> Thomas Gerlach is a, uh, is a professional triathlete, and in his signature line on Twitter, he mentions that he has found the ultimate tool for, uh, for indoor training, and it's a movable desk on rollers that you can put in front of your bike in front of the treadmill and stuff like that. And it's so easy to use that. Um, and it's so cheap for what you get that 
uh, he highly recommends it. So I went and got, I ordered it off Amazon. And, okay, now before I forget, it was Brad Hammond that, uh, and he's ultra hambone on Twitter, mentioned uh, run steep, get high. Okay, back to the desk. Um, it's called a hospital overbed desk. And so it's, if you're laying in a hospital bed, um, it's only got a, it's only, supported on one side and then what that allows you to do is get it over the front wheel over your bars anything and it's an adjustable height it's pretty cool and so and it's on wheels so you can easily put it in front of your bike um and then i wheel it in front of the treadmill and then i wheel it to the side of the bike uh wheel it in front of me while i'm working and it's awesome it was super easy to put together and uh 50 bucks for this hospital overbed courtesy of Thomas Gerlach, pro triathlete, who said it's one of the best investments he's ever made in triathlon. <laughs> because now you got a big surface area in front of your bike and he says that he can um, you know, you can watch stuff, you can put all your drinks on it and you can put it over your handlebars and work uh, while you're riding, which is a hard task to pull off and I've kind of done that. I think it's different on a it'd be a lot easier on a road bike than on a tri bike. But um, I'm a big fan of it, and I wanted to share that with y'all. And how many more things do we got? We got uh, one and a half more things. So the other trick I learned, a Zen trick, is when you get frustrated and you know you need to slow down, there's a really cool trick to get yourself to slow down and be more in the moment. When you're looking too much into the past or into the future, and you're getting a little bit frantic and anxious, um, and you're trying too hard. So let's say you're uh, in a race, and you know you need to slow down and not pay attention to everybody that's going too fast around you. Um, you're in traffic, and you're frustrated that um, you need to get to work later, but your traffic is slowing you down. This is the funniest trick, and I've tried it, and it really works. Uh, talk to yourself as a golf like a golf announcer announcing what you're doing on during a golf tournament. So it's like, uh, like I need, I'm in a rush and I need to get my stuff together so I could get in a full hour workout before work. It's like Brett goes to the pantry and Brett pulls out his cereal. It's a good cereal and Brett chooses widely, wisely. It's got a flaxseed in it, Bob. And then Bob says, this, that's true. It's a very healthy meal. And then Brett goes over to the table and he pours himself a nice uh, bowl of cereal with coconut milk. I've heard coconut milk is a, uh, a good alternative to regular cow's milk. And it's got that medium chain triglyceride oil in it or fat, whatever, in there. And uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's good stuff. And see how that like brings you into the moment? Everybody's seen golf tournaments. Everybody's heard these announcers. They're only talking about what's going on right now. And it has a, and they talk in the soft voice. So it's very calming and it's about the right now. Now, you can't do, uh, you can't be thinking of, and while you're talking like that, you can't be thinking about the future, the past too much. It's just actually just really nice. So I'm a big fan of that. And to go along with that, there's a really cool saying. I learned the other day is don't suffer in the moment by predicting the future. You can only live in the right now. And it goes back to that golf announcer thing. That's what's going on right now. If you're thinking about, if you're living in the future that almost every time that you're miserable right now, it's because 
or anytime you have fear, it's because of the future. Fear is always about the future. Always. Try to think of uh, if, if you're, you're never really afraid of something in the past because it's already happened, and then you're not afraid of what's going on right now because you're dealing with it. Uh, you're entrained. You're working on it. You're, you're trying to solve the problem. Fear is always the uncertainty of, of the future. So, um, And the future hasn't happened yet, so it's not worth uh, being afraid of, and uh, it makes you suffer right now for predicting something that might or might not happen in the future. It's absolutely crazy. All right, that was your little dose of super zen for this uh, for this episode. But let's do the last half of a of a number number seven number eight for our list of little tricks for this podcast for this episode. And uh, this is a random one. If it ever happens to you, you break your treadmill, which I have now broken two dread treadmills treadmill. <laughs> I actually love the treadmill. It's so cool because you can be so precise. Be like six minutes at a 5% grade. Boom, done. Then back down to zero again. Uh, You can crack the deck on your treadmill. And I mean, maybe it's because I buy cheaper treadmills, but I've only had one and it's lasted uh, six years, seven years. Uh, But I've now cracked the deck twice. And the tip is, is you can actually replace the deck on your treadmill. You don't have to throw it out. You can uh, order a new deck online and then take apart the bottom half of your treadmill and put a new, remove the old deck and put the new one in. Oh, well, let's talk about that. Silicone lube spray. Let's make this a full helpful tip. Silicone lube spray is um, what you're supposed to, you're supposed to lube the deck of your treadmill every so many miles, uh, 50 miles or something like that. Well, you can go to Lowe's and get WD-40 silicone lube, and it has a the, the straw-like nozzle that's like uh, five, six inches long, and you can um, stick that under the treadmill and spray it. And then I thought, I got to thinking, can you use silicone lube on your um, on your bike chain? <laughs> and it turns out you can, but it doesn't stick very well. So as soon as um, it gets wet, it'll um, it'll come off. So if you live in Arizona, where hopefully it doesn't uh, probably rain all that much, then yeah. And also you ride indoors on your bike all winter long. You put a little dab of silicone lube on it. And I did on my bike, put a little bit of silicone lube on the chain and, um, it's nice, but is that what you really should be using long-term? No, probably not. All right. So that is our list of cool things, little tips and tricks to help you get all your triathlon training done. Uh, if you've got some, send them to me. Uh, Just mention them on Twitter. Uh, I'm Zentrathlon on Twitter, or you can mention them. Uh, Send me an email at texafornia, T-E-X-A, texafornia, like California, at gmail.com. And uh, something that I can mention real quick on the show. I'd love to have uh, a segment of this show dedicated to people sending in tips and tricks that will save them time and make the hours and hours and hours of training go by a whole lot easier. I mean, there's a million things I can think of right now. Um, I'm looking at something that just caught my eye. Uh, I've got two blocks of wood, two two by fours that are cut uh, about a foot long each under the front tire of my bike. And I got them stacked on top of each other and they're under the front wheel. And what this allows me to do is it gives a much more realistic uh, ride on the, on the trainer. 
Um, if you don't put your front wheel up on anything, then you're riding your bike downhill all the time. <laughs> it feels like, and it gets uncomfortable. So you raise the front end of your bike a little bit. And the two blocks of wood, they actually are smooth on each other. And you can rotate the handlebars left or right. And uh, the bike's not locked. The bike handlebars aren't locked in position, but it's not going to go anywhere. They just pivot off of each other because they're wood and they slip past each other. But the bottom one won't slip on the, on the rubber mat on the ground or on the carpet, if that's where it was. And the top one won't slip against the tire because the tire's rubber and rubber on wood and, uh, won't slip, but wood on wood will. So it's pretty cool. Figured that out kind of by accident by using those things stacked up on top of each other. As opposed to, I've got another one, I forgot the, I can't see the brand name right now, but I got one of these ones that holds the front wheel uh, locked in place, and it gets kind of annoying to be totally locked in. You don't have any freedom. Okay, our interview with Catherine Davis Hayes. Are we about ready for this? This is cool. Let me switch over and get this audio rolling. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Hello, can you hear me now? Yes, I am through. I'm in. Oh, all right. <laughs> awesome. Great. Cool. All right, everybody. I am here with Cecilia Davis Hayes. And I'm not sure how to introduce you if you're an age grouper triathlete or you're a former pro cyclist or current pro cyclist. <laughs> I think you're kind of in a, a decision making area, maybe yourself right now, or, or are you? Um, yeah, so funny that you ask that question right now. I just <laughs> had a talk with my coach um yesterday and um i had to twist his arm a little bit but i've qualified for my pro card right the third triathlon i ever did uh -huh. um so uh but i held off on taking it um because i had coach's recommendation for about a year and a half so um, I was kind of antsy to uh, make the transition from age grouper and having to pass, you know, thousand people on the bike, um, <laughs> and uh, to, to go up and uh, yeah. that, that's one aspect. Um, and so he, yeah, we just decided that for the first race of the season in the spring, I'll uh, race in the pro field. So that's, oh, cool. um, I guess you could technically introduce me as pro athlete, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> really, newly coined. <laughs> pro triathlete and there we go <laughs> um bill porter with sunto uh sent me an article or i can't remember if it was an article or just the the newsflash about all the about iron man texas 70.3 in austin and mm. said check out cecilia and uh because uh, i think in the photos you were wearing a sunto watch even and uh um, mm -hmm. And uh, she's soon to have sponsored, and uh, and look, she just got second. Uh, she's an age grouper and got second place overall in the women's uh, field at the seventy point three that just went down. And I and I remember like the day before, I was looking at the uh, results, 
because I've done that race. My wife has done that race. It's a really hard race, actually. Mm. It's mm. it's um, nice and challenging, and um, and I was considering doing it this year. So that's why I was interested in it. And I saw in the in the results, uh, I forgot the name of the first place. You know, like it had the top ten women, and then um, and there was an asterisk next to second place. And I was like, what is that? And um, and I said, oh, yeah, she's an age grouper. And she got second amongst all the pros, too. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. So um, so then I started digging around on your website. And I saw that you actually uh, were a pro cyclist. Or are, still, are you still a Cat 1 cyclist at the same time? Or do you have to keep that up or what? Yeah, I'm not doing, uh, not really road racing anymore. So okay. yeah, I guess I'm st- technically still a cat yeah. one, uh, but I'm I just decided not to, to rejoin yeah. my women's cycling team. So I'll be just doing triathlon next well, year. So then it gets even crazy. You might be the most interesting person I interview all year. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay, now wait a minute. It says in here, wait, holy cow, she rode in the tour of California, and then it says. I was looking around more, and it said uh, she's she was pre med at at uh, what what uh, college was it Williams College? Um, yeah, Williams. Yep. Yeah, yeah pre med at Williams, and is now a medical student at Columbia. And um, I have that right, right? I didn't get that wrong. You and got then, it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you're doing all that and balancing the. Uh, being a, and I could see then, you know, being an age grouper because you're doing the whole um, uh, medical career, you know, getting your uh, doctorate. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I saw that um, it says in there that a couple of things you were focusing on uh, was uh, concussions, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. and then also emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. And um, and then some other kind of medicine I, f- I forgot now, but um, I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> All these different <laughs> things that you're doing. And did you know one of my most recent interviews was with uh, the woman that also is at Columbia and won Ironman Wales? Yes, she goes to my swim group, Darby. Darby, yeah, cool. I so, thought that was too funny. A yeah. double Columbia. A double Columbia. Yeah, this is great. So, um, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. And uh, where do you want to Thank start? Thank you so much. <laughs> Since I, I just talked about you. Oh, heck. Straight. <laughs> um, no, thank you so much for having me on the show. And yeah. you you are too kind. I don't think it's that interesting. But um, I'm happy, yeah, happy to um, be involved in such a cool sport and have had the experience to, uh, like you said, do, do a lot of different sports, a few different sports at a high level. And, uh, I don't, I had a good time doing the cycling thing, but I think uh-huh. this is probably, probably triathlon's my best sport. So I'm kind of excited to have, to have found it. And it feels like a really good match and, I uh, love the community and love like learning a new thing and learning to swim. So even though, you know, I've had some good success. I really only did my first triathlon 
in May 2015. So I, st- I still feel like a total newbie um, and still feel like I'm really, I'm learning the ropes uh, and there's so much to learn in triathlon. So, so did, um, you, did you have any swim, swim background at all before getting into triathlon or are you totally learning from scratch? Were you on a kid's swim team at all or? Anything? Nothing like that. I was really from ground zero. I knew how wow. to do. I knew how to do the backstroke and the breaststroke and the freestyle from like swim lessons as a kid. But I oh, really yeah. had not, had never done anything close to competitive, and um, so it was, it was <laughs> messy at first. But the only good thing about that is that I have a steep learning curve. So um, I. When you start from nothing, you uh, you improve quickly. So I've yeah. seen seen pretty good improvement pretty quick. Um, so I feel like I'm only gonna hopefully keep getting better at the swim, and that'll um, yeah, that'll come easier than you know you get take a second or two on the bike and the run. But if you're getting minutes on the swim, then that's <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah totally. The um, what what are you finding is the hardest thing about swimming, and and how often? Are you swimming? Are you swimming like four times a week or or more or Mm. less? Yeah. So uh, let's see. Over over the past season, I probably did like four. Yeah, about four times a week. Um, Tried to target that uh, over over the other workouts a little bit more. Um, It is my weakness. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess what I'm finding hard about it is... um, you know, like, I think at first it felt like, uh, I didn't quite have as much fun swimming as I did doing, I love to ride my bike. Like it's just a joy. You feel like a kid every time you get on it and it's free and easy and fast and wind on your face and running is just so simple and uh, easy. And the swimming, I think has dragged me down a little bit at first. (laughs) I love to be outside um, and and being inside and in the early hours, it was just like, man, this is not that fun. But then I hit this point and I think I'm still, still getting to really embrace this, but I hit this point where I was like, wow, I really like being in the water, just the feeling of being in the water. And once I kind of accept that, it was like, oh man, a 90 minute swim workout could go by. And I was still loving it because I just being in the water was so, was so fun. So I think yeah, the hardest part for me, I guess, is yeah, being in an indoor space and kind of feeling like it's not, uh, not the type of exercise where you're quite as free and wind on your face and kind of relaxing. It doesn't quite have that for me yet, but I think I'm maybe getting, getting closer. Um, yeah. Yeah. People can't believe it, it, but there was a point where I hated running and, Mm. um, what got me into running. So I was okay. I was pretty good at it for short distance stuff, but I never got into it. And I grew up as a swimmer and swimmers Mm. seem to be allergic to running. (laughs) And, uh, it's like such a different sport than swimming, but I grew up loving riding my bike and the, um, I think signing up, uh, getting a friend took me out to go see an ultra marathon. And the second time I saw it, I was like, I bet I could probably be okay at this. And then <laughs> signing up for it made me run a lot, right, to train for it. And then it, at one day, all of a sudden, I wanted to go run. Like, it was the weirdest thing. And it's like what you're talking about. At some point, you do it enough, you actually enjoy it with, the, with swimming. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I think my new coach that I started working with, he is really at the Matt Dixon of Purple Patch Fitness, or people uh-huh. might have read the book. And so I, I kind of made the plunge to start with this big time coach. And um, and one of the things that he's having us do, so I mentioned I was swimming maybe three, four times a week over the summer, and we are embarking on what he calls, quote, a swim project. So uh, mm-hmm. that's the winter. And so I'm not exactly sure how many times it's going to be, but he said a week, but he said 50% of my volume will be in the pool. And I've been doing like 20 hours per week. So if we're bumping, that's a lot of time in the pool. Um, (laughs) So it could be, uh, you know, a close to everyday type thing. Um, But I'm, I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm in, I want to, I want to do everything I can. And what he says is you really have to fall in love with the pool. And so it's like exactly like you're saying, well, yeah. one day you wanted to go out and run. So I'm thinking that I'm getting there with the pool. I'm, uh, I want to go swim. So hopefully I'll, after six days a week this winter, I'll let you know, but hopefully I'll still want to go swim. Yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> I've, I've, I was just wondering about that recently, about um, a lot of times, because I coach too, and I, you know, and I coach myself, and I coach a whole bunch of people, and it's like, you know, you want to do balanced workouts, right? But then sometimes I mm-hmm. wonder if it would be better to focus on something for a few days to really drill it home to get you better at it and then take a break from it a few days to up to maybe a week or so, you know, and then and then work on something else like the bike, you know, for a while to really get you good at it. And then like so you spend more focused time because if you're like like in a situation like you're in where you're trying to learn something you really got to spend, if you just try to even it out, like, let's say like three times a week, four times a week, it's going to take you a long time to get up to like the professional level of swimming. But if you take, if you do five, six times a week, then you can get up to that level like so much faster and you're already a great cyclist and runner and you just kind of like kind of baby that along and feed that along maybe in your spare time a little bit keep and keep that up there and then your swimming is now picked up to where it needs to be to be competitive that's what i'm hoping hoping that plan works i hope so too (laughs) yeah okay so um totally (laughs) skipping around tell me um a little bit about this um studying uh, cte and concussions like how much work have you done on that and uh do you have any insight on that or what's going on (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that. It's definitely a passion of mine. Uh, I, so as you mentioned, I'm a medical student at Columbia in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have, I started in 2013, so I'm technically a fourth year, um, mm-hmm. but I'm doing a longer track. So I probably am going to end up doing six years um, instead of the typical four, because mostly motivated by uh racing and training, taking a little more time to, mm-hmm. to do things um, and have a little bit more flexible schedule. So my dean has been great with me about that. So how we're doing that is I basically have done three years at med school and then as my fourth and fifth year, I'm, I'm adding like an extra research project. So I'm working with this neurologist who's focusing on uh, sports-related concussions and we're doing a number of research projects. So I'm doing that for 
um, since I've been been working pretty much just with him on a few different projects since um, this spring, since March of this this year, 2016. So uh, it's a great setup because it gives me a little bit more of my own time. We have research meetings and I have assignments and then I can um, have a flexible schedule and get in all my uh, training and travel and racing. So that's um, that's been great. So what we're doing is... <clears throat> Um, it's got a little bit all over the place, but we have a few a few clinical studies that are going on. So we're enrolling all of the student athletes at Columbia who have experienced a concussion playing sports, and we're sending them for an MRI brain scan, which is typically not a test that's done in the emergency room if you were to come in with a concussed athlete. Um, you might get a CT scan to rule out a brain bleed, um, but really the imaging at this point doesn't tell us anything about whether an athlete's had a concussion or not. We really, that, um, but an MRI is a bit more sensitive and there's pretty good evidence to show that a certain um, kind of blood flow sequence can could actually detect some changes. But right now, it's not standard of care for people to go into the emergency room and get an MRI to say, yes, you had a concussion. No, you didn't. Yes, it's bad. So yeah. you should rest longer. No, you didn't. So that it would be a great to have a so-called biomarker to say, okay, you have an illness. You should be treated seriously. You shouldn't play for a long time, for a while. Um, so that is kind of uh, the goal of that study. Um, mostly it's been football players that we're enrolling so far. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, another study was more of an epidemiology study. So we looked at all the concussions that have happened at the university here um, in in the past 15 years, from 2000 to 2015, and saw what sport they happened in, and there were 280 concussions that happened, um, and uh, looking at which sport they were in, what gender the people were, so just kind of trying to understand concussion right better, because at this point, it's a pretty big um, black box, and there's not, um, we kind of know that there's some brain injury going on, but we're not really sure exactly what is going on and how to detect it and what the appropriate treatment is. So there's a lot of big questions, but it's an exciting field to be involved in. Okay. So, Are you aware of um, the story behind Dave Mira, the, the X Games guy that started doing triathlon? And then... No, I'm not. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is going to really throw you for a loop. So uh, Dave Mira, M-I-R-R-A, was mm -hmm. super famous, um, X Games champion, like 10-time gold medalist in the X Games, and BM, the uh, freestyle BMX bike, right? you know, like where they ride the ramps and do yeah. tricks on the bikes up in the air, and they mm -hmm. come down, right? And then they, he even had video games made after him. He's like a millionaire, and he retired from that and then just a few years later got into doing triathlon as an age grouper and was pretty good and was trying to work his way up to qualifying for Kona and the talk was that they were going to give him a celebrity spot to Kona if he asked if he would accept it but he flat out said he didn't want that he wanted to earn his way uh to getting a spot at Kona um good you know, for him yeah and um, I was at the Galveston Half Iron Man and raced against him. He was there. He blew by me on the bike. I, I thought I was pretty good <laughs> until this guy 
just rockets past me. And I was like, who is that? And then later I found out it was Dave Mira. And so I was, you know, we're, we're the same age and, and uh, all this stuff. And he's big on the scene, did lots of interviews, uh, really cool guy. And um, it was a year ago or maybe, I don't think it was two years ago, big news story, he committed suicide. And he shot well, himself he had- in the chest, I think it was, at in, a, in his truck down the street from his house. Um, he left behind a wife and two kids, and he had gotten so depressed that he, um, he uh, you know, committed suicide. And they did an autopsy on him, and he had CTE. And it was from uh, brain concussions from... Uh, all the ramp jumping where you fall and hit your head even though you're wearing a helmet. So like a a sport that most of us had never even thought of where they're getting concussion after concussion after concussion from from these jumps. That's terrible. Yeah, unfortunately that's not not with BMS but with uh, a lot of sports that that story of exactly what you're what you're just saying, um, mm-hmm. you know, a successful career and then a relatively young young guy starts to be depressed and commit suicide, you're hearing it pop up really uh, all over. So it's really yeah, it's really terrible and that's definitely one of the one of the dreaded consequences of um, multiple concussions and that we're getting a little bit better at understanding. But right now for CTE we don't even have a way to detect it while somebody is alive and treat it while somebody is alive. All we know we just find out usually and unfortunately on autopsy when after yeah. it's it's too late. So that's definitely a field of active research. Um, for sure, and yeah, we're just trying to understand what what exactly is going on. right now. What we know about CTE is there's a kind of a protein deposited in the in the brain, but we don't exactly know um, mm-hmm. what what's leading to it. It seems like in some cases, yeah, there's there have been probably you know dozens of concussion, and in others, there was a young man, a 21 year old, that had was found to have CTE. So it's very it's still mysterious, and it's yeah, it's, very, it's terrible. So, um, is it is it like scarring of the brain, I guess, and then it slows down brain function, kind of. Kind of like that, yeah. So, if you make familiar with what happens in Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. um, it's called a, a, ta- a tauopathy. So, it's basically tau, which is a protein um, that is a normal protein, but like built builds up and kind of gunks things up. And so in Alzheimer's, you have memory problems and, um, and you know, your personality changes. Mm-hmm. And so this, this is thought to be pretty similar to, it, it's all, CTE is also a tauopathy. So some people even think it's like, it's an accelerated form of Alzheimer's, but we're now beginning to think it's maybe a little bit different. It just didn't happen to involve that same protein. So yeah, it is kind of like you're saying, it slows things down and gets, gets in the way and makes you different than who you are. Yeah. Terrible. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I, I, so yeah. I guess the yeah. one of the big things is to try to come up with a way to detect it without the person passing away first would be nice. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think it is getting better and better. I mean, the awareness is certainly increased about concussions mm-hmm. and parents are now aware and there's many um, like massive education programs that are happening. Uh, mm-hmm. CD, the Center for Disease Control has this Heads Up initiative. So it's definitely um, the subject is becoming more widespread and known. And so I think that's going to help um, yeah, increase awareness is going gonna, is gonna to help um, athletes from getting to the point where they've had so many concussions that they might be vulnerable for this, hopefully. All right, let's take a break from the interview and mention Amrita Bars. Oh, I just had one. Where is it? Where's the wrapper? It was the chocolate maca, maca, maca tack. Let's see. Let me go get it right here because they have regular energy bars and then they have their recovery energy bars. Here it is. Oh, Amrita, plant-based nutrition, chocolate maca, 15 grams of protein in one bar. How about that? I have, I have the high-protein ones after I swim. Oh, man, it's such good stuff. They have all different kinds of flavors. They are non... Uh, I wouldn't say non-allergenic because that's, that's, like, uh, that's not the right wording. Hypoallergenic? <laughs> there's no nuts. They use seeds instead for the protein. So if you have a nut allergy, there's no worries there. They are uh, vegan-friendly and uh, no animal products used inside. Uh, gluten-free, dairy-free, peanut-free, soy-free. Long time, long, long time uh, sponsor of the show. Kai was in a soccer game today, drinking out of an Amrita water bottle. Speaking of the other stuff they make, they have all kinds of cool gear. And he scored two goals. Now, if you eat Amrita bars, will you score two goals in life? Probably. You never know. Got to find out. And you can find out by going to amritahealthfoods.com and using discount code ZEN2016. That's discount code ZEN2016. It's actually a really cool fuel for long rides because it's super easy to digest. And also, here's another thing. They don't freeze. A lot of bars, the competition uses uh, stuff that will actually freeze when it gets cold. As we head into winter, Amrita bars stay soft. You can open one up and plow through it uh, nice and chewy, and uh, they're date-based. It's really cool. Um, The way I eat Amrita bars when I'm biking along is I open one up, and or I'll maybe pre-open one before I get going on the bike. But anyway, I take a bite out of it, like maybe a quarter or a third of the bar in one bite, And then I fold the end of the wrapper back over the rest of the bar, and then I put it on on my quad. I stuff it up the front of my bike shorts from the uh, knee side, kind of push it up in there, and it stays flat with my quad right here, right there. And then um, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, I just grab it, pull it back out, Push the bar forward in the wrapper, boom, another bite, and it keeps your stomach feeling so good, super smooth, super nice. There's cardamom in it, which actually soothes the stomach. So, all right, that's it for Amrita Bars. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. Show them some love. Again, uh, discount code 2016, Zen2016 at com, And also they have, like I said, a big store with all kinds of cool gear, shirts, jerseys, water bottles fun stuff like that. Go check them out. All right, back to the episode. Some pictures of you racing recently. Uh, one, the the head the head tube on your bike looks pretty tall. Are you like really tall? It seems like you're tall. <laughs> I'm tall. Yeah? 
Like, yeah, like I'm six five, foot? Uh, five, eleven, five, oh. ten, two thirds. Okay. So, but all legs. So I actually ride an extra large uh, TT bike. Uh-huh. So um, that's a uh, pain in the butt to get in the bike case, but yes, um, I'm all all <laughs> legs. <laughs> yeah, do you ride an XL too? <laughs> yes, I'm six foot three. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, getting a bike in the bike box is quite the pain. So, um, right. yeah, the first picture I, I go, that bike looks like she looks like she's really, really tall. So, um, does that help you uh, with your running background at all to have to have a stretched out stride and and lope along pretty efficiently, or or what do you think? Yeah, people ask me that sometimes. I I'm not sure. Um you will see talented runners of all shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I was watching the New York city marathon on uh, Sunday here and you really do see people from all, you know, uh, short, tall, stocky, Mm -hmm. wafy, um, really do all right. So um, I like to think that that the long limbs help me just like you say, lope along. I think they definitely help with swimming and you do look at some of my, I mean, people tell me um, I'll take this compliment uh, any day of the week. People tell me I look like Gwen Jorgensen. We have a pretty Uh similar build. She's also (laughs) five, she's five ten or five eleven. And uh, she's clearly working for her. So. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that, in one of your okay. race race results, the uh, the one in Cancun, was it the one in Cancun, where um, mm-hmm. you had a wardrobe malfunction, and it, and uh, I think that was Cancun, and you ended up looking kind of like, um, or was that Philadelphia, where you ended oh, up yeah, in the one piece yeah. swimsuit because your your <laughs> your outfit split. <laughs> Yes, good, good sleuthing. (laughs) Well, I mean, you wrote it. I I was actually a big fan of that, um, the kind of bathing suit uh, style, and Uh uh, I had a a good race, and um, it didn't give me any problems at all. I guess I could imagine that maybe for a half Ironman, it might be, a little bit uncomfortable on the bike, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think I think it could be um yeah, it could could definitely be a, a good uniform. I think it's just unconventional. I think maybe because it's uh you're a little bit exposed. I'm not sure why more women don't don't do the, the swimsuit kind of look. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend that yeah. on, on rare occasion he'll wear a speedo on the on the bike. We're all like, no, stop it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Tim Reed, who won 70.3 World Champs, he does a, a Speedo and uh-huh. a kind of little top. So it, there's definitely, it's um, yeah, it works. a vetted strategy. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe next year I'll do, I'll do the swimsuit thing. Although the, the one piece has uh, a little bit more room for sponsors and stuff. So maybe that's an advantage. I'm trying dealing with the sponsorship game right now. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you I'm could do the to... you could mm-hmm. do the swimsuit and then do the tattoos, like the sponsor tattoos instead. Because, mm. uh, yeah, but those tattoos aren't as big. You know, they're usually kind of small. So yeah, they can be pretty good real estate though, like the biceps and uh-huh. those are yeah yeah our quad not bad yeah. 
Huh. <laughs> Good idea. I'm going to look into that. I'm going to get Cliff <laughs> sure. Bard. I know Cliff Bard definitely makes them. And so I totally I'm going to send me some tats and save this face on the uniform. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I saw that you were recently at this um, medical center um, getting your bike fit all uh, worked on. And I was thinking, well, do you, why would you need that coming from a great cycling background already? You're obviously really, really fast on the bike. What are you looking for on the, on the change up on the bike? Is it more comfort or you got some worried about some injuries or what's going on? Good question. Yeah. I think there's always room for improvement in the bike fit. Uh, I don't know if anyone who tells me they are so, so comfortable on their bike, they could ride it all day and never have any issues. So uh, I think, um, I, I definitely have things that pop up when, um, when I change something, I used to have a 90 centimeter or 90 millimeter stem and I had been having some shoulder issues and feeling really tight forearms. My massage therapist had been telling me your forearm and your hands are so tight and I hadn't been feeling good on my saddle. And so I went in and, um, hospital for a special surgery. They have this performance center and they have a bike fitter that I go to there and, so it was actually, it wasn't even my, my idea to go in. It was kind of for a demo. They had some visitors from out of town. They're like, oh, why don't you come in, bring your road bike, and we'll do like a, a refit. And um, and then as it got closer to the time, I'm thinking, oh, man, there's actually some stuff I really want to change up. So um, mm-hmm. I told them about my shoulders and everything, and then we ended up swapping out the stem for a 110-centimeter one and swapping out the saddle and uh and i feel so much better now and that was on a bike that i loved and i've ridden for a long time Mm -hmm. um for like two years and so i think i think that just shows that really like checking in with yourself and being aware and um always you know assessing and seeing what what could be better um is is great i i guess i also had been out i mentioned this coaching with um doing it using new coach and had been out in san francisco to meet him and meet his bike bike assistant coach guy paul buick and he mentioned something to me about how i should have uh you know zero basically have no weight on my hands at all all the 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 weight should be coming through your your rear and your feet and and it's just it shows how you're always learning. Like, I think I'd heard something along that, those lines before, just as years of being a cyclist, but there's yeah. always, there's so much to know and so much to learn. And I was like, man, I actually put way too much hand, weight on my hands. So it's funny uh, how maybe something you used to know uh, and forgot and then re-pops up and you mm-hmm. tweak it and you feel better. So it's a constant attention. So this is on a road bike, right? Where you don't feel weight This was just on a road bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess it'd be a little different. I'll try. I have gotten my bike fit to where I could ride all day and be comfortable. I wanna I, I managed to get that bike fit one time. And then I sold awesome. I sold that bike and then got a new bike and then I'm still start, I'm trying to find it again. But the uh um but then one thing I've noticed with me recently is my my uh toes and feet are starting to go numb just 45 minutes or an hour into the ride and uh that's been happening lately and i was sitting at uh, i have a regular old day job and i'm sitting in a meeting today and i started massaging like my hamstring on my left leg and i found a really sore spot and i started rubbing it and then all of a sudden 
the numbness in my toes started tingling and I could feel blood and sensation like all rushing back to my toes. And I looked it up and there's um, your muscles swell up uh, on the back of your legs and cause it puts pressure on your sciatic nerves. And, mm. um, and basically by doing... I was, I was basically doing trigger point therapy and loosening up the, mus the muscles, which is loosening up the pressure and then relieving pressure on the nerves and then um, uh, getting blood flow back into my feet. It was really weird. So, Who, who needs a sports med doc? He just yeah. uh, self-diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when I, right. I've damaged myself for so long that I can diagnose myself, that's pretty sad. I was like, I need to go in to get some kind of like trigger point or massage therapy or something like that to loosen all that up, I guess. Yeah. I mean, or it could be something on your, you're in your bike position that's causing mm -hmm. you to have that sciatic nerve issue. And then, you know, and then you're getting it off the bike too. But if you, if you adjusted something on your bike fit, then maybe, maybe you could fix it. I think big yeah. believer in that everything's all interrelated. And, yeah. um, so yeah, it's a lot of hours per week. Yeah, sure I am. And then I think it, uh, the more the hours and the more the intensity that you're doing, mm. and and I, it was with the, my new bike. You know, I thought I got that fit within, you know, millimeters. But it's still it's a new bike, and you got to move things around until things quit hurting. It, a, like you were saying, a bike ride should feel the way I always say, especially on a road bike. It should feel like a like an old pair of, of your favorite blue jeans. Like so comfy that you could just ride it all day. Right, agreed, agreed. Uh, yeah. if, we, if only if only everybody out on the road had that, we'd all be some big smiles. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So on your um yeah. on your Cozumel race, um that was uh, how long was that? Was an Olympic distance? Like September. Yeah, yeah, that was Olympic distance. That was Olympic distance world champ. So. Uh -huh. And you got what place? I'm trying to see what that. I got. I was third. So well, wasn't. Unfortunately, it wasn't my best race of the season, but oh, it was. Yeah. It was a goal race. Um, but it, it, you know, it, you got to roll with the punches. It was. Um, you know, as we talked about, swim was not my strength. So I knew it was an ocean swim and knew that, that was going to be, I was going to be playing catch up, but, uh, it was, it really didn't play to my strengths. This current was very strong, like mm -hmm. so strong that it was sucking people under the dock where we're dismount. <laughs> it was, they actually shortened good. the course a little bit even. Yeah. Um, so when I heard that, I was like, oh no, okay, just try to swim straight and, um, <laughs> don't get caught in. I think I just, if you, I'm sure you, you and listeners have swum in strong, strong currents before, but I, yeah. I really hadn't at all. I'd done a little bit of ocean swimming, mostly lake, lake swimming. And I think I just, uh, was try was fighting, fighting against it and moving nowhere. So I, um, struggled a bit there and came out of the water like eight minutes back. And that's just a lot to make up in an Olympic. So, yeah. um, I made up pretty good ground, you know, past uh, a boatload of people, but was, there was still, still two left to pass. So it was, yeah. you know, my goal was to win, but sometimes you go to win and you get third and you can't be too, uh, too upset. So, so I'll take that, it. During that, during that swim, did you, 
did you freak out at all or you were fine it was just like longer than what you wanted it to be did it yeah, scare you, know, you? I, were you, were you scared I had I had my first uh my age group nationals was my like you mentioned my third triathlon ever and it was a 250 people in the start and I there the other two triathlons I'd done were really calm small starts <laughs> so I did I knew what that feels like to have that kind of kettle of fish freak out need to tread water for a second and it wasn't it really um, if I'm honest it wasn't like that at all I actually felt like I was working working hard, hard and swimming well I think I was oh, just okay. um, not used to what it feels like to to swim in a current and maybe putting too much work I've, I've heard later that um you know, you need you need to kind of like ride the swells and put in put in work at the appropriate times and back off and you know be a little more strategic about it. Um, That's true. And I think yeah, yeah I wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't doing something right. I think even the I was on, wasn't on the right side of the course to get more of the uh-huh. current, you know, or to be in a, a less strong current. So I just I didn't play anything right there. <laughs> but uh, you live and you learn. Yeah, that's that's. I'll never forget my uh, brother-in-law and I. The first time I ever went surfing, he was new too. We this is in San Diego. We got on our surfboards, got to where the water was about waist deep. You know, we walked out. It's lots of uh, whitewash. You know, currents coming from all these directions and stuff. And then we laid on our boards and started paddling. And we paddled and paddled and paddled and paddled. And um, I'm I've he doesn't have a swim background, so I I got ahead of him a little bit. And then I turned around and looked back because he yelled, he yelled at me, Hey, Brett, what are you doing? And I turned and looked back and he's standing waist deep again. <laughs> We've been paddling our butts off and went nowhere. And, um, and then over the years uh, of doing surfing, I, you learn pretty quickly to use the, the currents to help you. And you don't try to fight the stuff that's too big. When the stuff's too big, you kind of wait it out. And then when the current is in your favor, you go with it. It's really weird. Um, you can't fight. Yeah, that's you exactly. Cannot it. Fight the ocean, and you cannot win against the ocean. It's no, too powerful. it is. It is stronger than you. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I wanted to ask you about what are your plans uh, coming up? Your uh, Matt Dixon is definitely a big name, so you probably have big plans. And how are you going to balance all this with um, with school? And how have you been balancing it with school? Like, uh, how many like hours per week do you think you've been doing, and and how do you schedule your day to fit in studying and research? Yeah, so I've like like I said, I've been lucky to have a pretty unique setup here with my my um, kind of mentor, research mentor I'm working with. He is very understanding about the. Mm-hmm triathlon stuff and uh, lets me take Fridays here and there. Um, so let's see, how do I, how do I manage it? I, it was really hard during my, my third, my third year of medical school is when you do the big rotations. So you have to do kind of a month or six weeks in each of the specialties in surgery and OBGYN in anesthesia and um, primary care. And it's really like being, being a mini doctor. And that was my first season of triathlon. So it was 2015 season. And that was one of the tougher things I've done balancing that I was doing things like, 
you know, coming home at eight o'clock at night and um, uh, uh. hopping on the trainer and then, uh, you know, getting up at six to go back into the hospital. And really it was, it was life in the fast lane. I think I neglected, <laughs> neglected a few other things in life, but, you know, I got, I got it done. And, and mm. then, so at that point, that was with, after that success doing both things, I, um, I was able to kind of justify taking a little bit of a slower track and, and buying myself a little bit more time. So um, now I probably have, I'd maybe work 30 hours a week or so on my um, my research stuff. And then I do have some kind of more traditional school commitments, tests, and um, but not not the, co- the huge commitment that you typically think of for medical school. So I've been able to kind of slow things down a little bit. Um, and the, the university is very, has been accommodating. We have people, we have a girl in my class who is um, plays piano on Broadway and she kind of has done a similar thing to me. Mm-hmm. So they're very, they're accommodating of people with um, other talents and other passions. Uh, so it hasn't been so hard this past year. I've able, been able to do about yeah 20 hours or so a week of training and then 20, 30 hours a week of, um, of research and then the sprinkling in kind of um, uh, courses, like halftime courses. And yeah, it's really been, it's been a nice balance, actually. It's nice not to have your eggs all in one basket. My um, my dean had said to me, you know, you can take a full leave of absence if you'd like and really, you know, take a year off and not have a student ID and go live wherever you want to live and go train to a triathlon. And I I did think about doing that. Um, I thought, oh man, I could live in some place where the rent is dirt cheap and there's nice places to ride your bike and lakes to open water swim. That would be great. And (laughs) then I started really thinking about it and I thinking about, well, one, what if I got injured and then I would really have all my eggs in the one triathlon basket. I thought about um, just what, what, that the structure that having something else gives to my day and it really it motivates me to get up in the morning and have multiple things to do. It's great to have a hard workout to look forward to and mm-hmm. to to strive to do well at, but it's a different thing to have to have another goal. Wow, I really wanna learn about this new topic or, you know, present this material well in the table. That's a, a whole different type of challenge and I think it keeps my keeps my brain active. So um, it's long winded, long winded way to say that I'm doing. So I've just got, I've got permission to do the same, similar setup for next year or more. Um, as long as I keep being productive on the research front, which I just, so we just submitted a paper to the American Journal of Sports Medicine. So mm-hmm. I think it, think uh, my school should be happy with me enough, but they don't think I'm totally gallivanting around. Um, <laughs> so I'll probably do a similar setup for 2017 and. Um, race racing as a pro so that is going to mean um a few changes as far as like i guess race strategy i think matt dickens really he was concerned about um he said in an ideal world if you were on the five to eight year development plan without a pressing career as a doctor we would keep you as an amateur one more year, try to win amateur 70.3 worlds and really develop the swim and have no pressure or anything. But I, I told him, you know, I'm looking at going into residency, which is really a, probably a time where I'm not going to be able to race much at that all. 
um, in, in this two years here. So I kind of have a timeline and like to really go and do this triathlon thing at the big level. So can I go pro for 2017 and be able to race 2017 and 2018 as a pro and then go into the, live in the hospital for a few years after that, after I've really, um, you know, done, done this and feel like done it right. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's the plan for next year. As far as schedule or I don't think we haven't figured out, Exactly, but I'll probably look at doing a few seventy point, a few Ironman seventy point threes. Um, maybe uh, Santa Rosa in California. Uh-huh. Uh, I like the Austin race a lot. That was a good one. Um, and then probably some of the more I'll do New York City. Try try to um, they have a pro field still, so try to do well there. My home court. Um, down over swim too, which suits me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, probably throw in a few rev three and challenge, uh, maybe a challenge, um, race as well. They've got, um, they've got a good pro field as well and a few of their races on the East coast. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's the plan and try to, you know, try to be, be in the mix in, in the pro field. I mean, I think even like as Austin clearly played to my strengths without the swim, but I think, you know, I'm, uh, both Matt and I, we weren't looking to, oh, go and finish in the race and not get last. You know, I'm looking to go make an impact. So yeah. I would hope I would be happy with the season if I could get on a podium or two, have a bunch of top fives and top tens. But I think that would call that a success. So. So I, I got two last questions for you. The yeah. one is, uh, one thing you said uh, is that you are the type of triathlete that actually swims with the swimmers, uh, bikes with the bikers, and runs with the runners for your training. <laughs> are you still doing that? Yes. Yep. I am. I um, So I have a track, Central Park Track Club. It's one uh-huh. of the biggest uh, running clubs think in the nation, um, definitely in New York. And it's uh, a great resource. There are so many fast runners there. And so you're bound, especially being a girl, you can, you can run with the, uh, with the master's men crowd, or um, there's a ton of fast girls too. It's a very motivating place to, uh, place to go. A bunch of girls training for the um, Olympic trials marathon. And so plenty of training buddies. So that's a great resource, and they meet in um, in some park and then up at a track up near uh, uptown where I live. So there's just there's always a workout going on, and somebody to uh, pace you out, which is great. So you use that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's it's a great place to meet running buddies too. And then you you don't necessarily have to go through the club. You say, oh hey, I really like running with you. You're my pace. Let's meet you know at another time. Uh, that always is is a good um, good to do your training not by yourself. Otherwise, it gets a little a little dull. So uh, then then yeah, I have this whole cycling community from the women's cycling team that I um, was a member of up until like a week ago. And so they meet in Central Park and then um, I am pretty well connected to uh, the New York City cycling scene. Um, and so I'm, I have a few buddies who uh, have flexible schedules like me and we meet and ride on ride in the weekdays. And I'm joining, actually, I'm joining Blue Ribbon Cycling Team, which is a mostly male cycling team that is going to be able to give me a little bit of support as far as, um, you know, race entries and travel and stuff. And so, you know, I don't have to race bikes, but just kind of ride in their kit and they'll be great training buddies, too, because I I already will ride with those guys a lot. So, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then as far as the swimmers, I swim with um, there's a Colum- the Columbia University varsity swim coach. He actually has um, a program, kind of like a master swim, uh, that he um, runs three mornings a week. And so he is um, a very experienced swim coach, has done triathlon himself, as is his assistant coach. So they totally get it. They uh, understand swimming as well as anyone out there, but then also understand swimming in the context of triathlon, which is, is yeah. really helpful. So I started in lane lane seven of eight there when I started uh, about a year ago when I started yeah. going, and now I'm in lane four, so I'm improving. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely people who are really fast swimmers over there in lane one and two, so mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely swimming with the swimmers. Yeah, I love I love that setup. <laughs> that's how that's what worked for me as a swimmer was growing up on swim teams where there's a lane that you can look over right next to you that's faster than you. And also in your lane, there's probably people that are faster than you. So you're trying to keep up with them. And you're also trying to be as fast as the people in that lane next to you that are just a little bit faster because you want to rank up. Yep. And the, <laughs> and you're, you fig, you by seeing them and trying to keep up with their speed, you start trying out things and you, you copy other people until you're that fast, as fast as they are. And then you move up a lane. And then you want to move up to the next lane and move up to the next lane. It's really cool. How, yeah, how so it's so motivating. And, and you get better so much quicker. I'm definitely mm-hmm. a believer. The hardest part yeah. is dragging my butt out of bed at 5.30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I don't know why swim mm-hmm. practices are always so early. It's so crazy. No, why do they have to be so early? I know. It doesn't make the, any sense. I think that's an- <laughs> all right we need to mention you can you can is a super starch this is really cool stuff it's a super slow acting carbohydrate almost to the point of your body doesn't know what it's doing it's like we're getting energy from somewhere else is happening and it's really great for swimming you want to go swim for an hour and not be needing to, uh, you know, take sips from a bottle on the side. You know, coach hits you over the head with a kickboard like my coach used to do. He's, Quit jacking around. Get back in the water. Quit being lazy at the wall. Keep on swimming. And you can do this, especially in races, right? You're going to do an Ironman. You're going to be in the water for an hour. You're doing a half Ironman. You're going to be in the water for half an hour plus. You're uh, you're going to be going and going and going. You don't have a chance to to drink or or uh, refuel out there you can't drink out of a bottle while you're swimming well you kind of can with you can because you can is a very very slow drip carbohydrate and so it slowly releases into your system so you can kind of preload with this stuff before you're going to do something long it also kind of saves uh your teeth from all that sugar right because you can power this stuff down it's actually pretty easy to drink and then you have energy for like an hour hour and a half from this stuff. This is really cool. So it comes in different flavors. You have chocolate. Um, you have some stuff with some protein added in if you want that. And uh, some electrolytes added in if you want that. And they also have uh, orange, tropical punch, and all this different stuff. All this different stuff. And so what I do is I get up in the morning. I drink, uh, I have a little bit, little bit of breakfast, a little tiny little bit of breakfast, some coffee. And then uh, right before I leave to go to the pool, I drink a bottle of Ucan. Uh, pretty quickly and then uh, by the time I get to the pool you got your energy you feel nice and good that's slow release and 
it just works, man. It's really amazing. And it's actually helped me break the habit of needing uh, sugar by the side of the pool. I think I've pretty much turned around, pretty positive. I've turned around my uh, needs for uh, sugar by using UCAN. I've become much less sugar dependent and way more uh, fat enhanced metabolism going on. And I did it through using UCAN. Uh, the latest thing that I've done with it is um, two, well, one time I did it uh, half the swim, but my latest was I did a full swim nonstop butterfly for one hour after drinking UCAN. 3,150 yards, nonstop, all butterfly, drinking UCAN the, uh, before I got to the pool. Chocolate f flavored was what I did. And I just swam uh, easy, smooth, and did the whole thing. It's all, I posted the workout. You can go check it out. <laughs> it was crazy. And I plan on doing it more because it was actually fun. It actually wasn't even all that hard. I just kept it easy. And you can do the same kind of stuff, a long, continuous workout, hour, hour and a half, without needing the fuel by pre-fueling with UCAN. Check it out. You go to UCAN, uh, webs UCAN's website. And they have uh, the opportunity for you to put in a discount code. If you use discount code ZENTRI, Z-E-N-T-R-I, all caps, you can get it 15% off. How about that? That's pretty cool. And then they turn around and send a little bit this way to ZENTRI itself. And man, if that's not a good advertisement for these guys, this stuff works. It's awesome. I love it. You can get a discount. You can support ZENTRI. Get on it. Get on it. Break all that sugar. Break that habit, man. Get on something that's a little bit better for you with some you can. All right, let's get back to the episode. Here we go. The worst person to learn how to do a sport, a single sport, is from a triathlete usually because they <laughs> are doing just enough to get by, right? And they right. have been immersed in the culture to learn all the cool tricks and stuff that actually make you way, way faster. Like, if you work out with real runners, they're going to say, oh, don't do this, but do this and, you know, wear this, but don't use this product, but do do this and, you know, whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, all these little tips, just tons of tips and tricks to make you faster and better and recover faster and all that stuff. But if you run, if you just went out running with my Ironman uh, buddies, <laughs> That we're all running like a nine, ten minute mile and just like, you know, like all figuring out how to run kind of on our own for this kind of stuff. We're missing all that knowledge, you know, of of like a running totally. club. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, totally agree. Like the bike nerds, I mean, they, oh my they God, the you worst. know, are talking about degrees of yaw yeah. and, you know, um, <laughs> TTSS <laughs> and all these things that, yeah. you know, may maybe are peripheral, but it's, it's, uh, it's cool to like get a, get us insight into that and really, um, know, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot to it and there's so much to learn. And, um, if you're doing all three sports, the reality is like, you probably aren't going to know as much. So yeah. tap into the resources out there. Oh, especially on the bike with bike maintenance, right? The oh yeah. Athletes do not, we do not know how to take care of a bike period. Cause we don't have time to because we're always swimming right. and running and you get in with like real cyclists and they'll tell you, they'll show you exactly how to change your tire and which tubes to use and what's the fastest and how to do this and how to all these little tricks that you're just like, Whoa, that's, 
this stuff I never would have learned on my own. Um, yeah, I, sh- I show up at races and the mechanics um, are like, it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I think my DI2 got disconnected because, you know, it's like down in the sea post and, um, <laughs> or, and, uh, and or, I don't know, that's not even a good example, but like, or, oh yeah, I just changed out this cassette and they're like, oh my gosh, you know how to, you know how to do these things? And like, well, yeah, I, I used to be a cyclist and I'm like, oh, that explains everything. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. You know, people don't, and those things are is immensely useful because you can troubleshoot so much. Like, mm-hmm. I just changed out my race um, wheels for training wheels for the off season and swapped out my cassette, and I was able to do that all um, on, in you know all on my own without taking to a shop. And it just makes your life a lot easier if you do have those mm-hmm. skills. But like you say, there's so much to know, and it's it's hard to acquire them. But <laughs> I bet a girl that knows how to work on her own bike, like as far as like take it off the cassette and all that other stuff. I probably have guys just standing around with their jaws on the ground going like, whoa, that was bad. <laughs> right. She's changing her own cassette That's out. Wow. Um, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, kind of along, along the lines of Darby is, um, are you a fan of any kind of special nutrition or you just, because... Um, I guess like the longest thing you've done so far is, is, um, that half, right. In Austin. Mm -hmm. So how much, how much is nutrition a part of what you think about all day? And do you have an angle on things or, or what are you doing in that area? Right. I can't, yeah, I don't have quite as cool of an answer on this one as Darby because she is a cool, yeah, a cool thing, unique thing going on. But I guess, yeah, I guess I'll take the, uh, the, the kind of other end of the spectrum here and be true for me, which is, um, yeah, pretty, pretty simple, old school rules. Um, I eat everything. Actually, there's pretty much nothing that I don't I don't like to eat. Um, mm. I eat whole whole foods and all the meats and uh, plenty of dairy and uh, plenty of fruits and vegetables and really try to keep it diverse and keep it um, uh, you know to to real real foods and try not to. Um, kind of uh, micromanage too much. It's always worked for me to let my body be my guide and um, eat, you know, to an extent. I do crave Ben and Jerry's, but um, (laughs) kind of eat what I, um, yeah, it looks good. And my boyfriend and I are into cooking. Cooking, so mm-hmm. we just made like um, a stir fry with eggplant and all sorts of vegetables. I think I'm lucky that what, what tastes good to me um, seems to be vetted to be uh, good for the body. But I, yeah, I guess more um, nuanced. I'm really into um, like never missing a post workout window. I think it's a big mistake oh. that people make, and that's a big one on um, um, that Purple Patch and Matt are um, have zero tolerance policy for. I'm, I'm totally on board. Um, so there's never even an easy workout. I'm getting like 150 calories in uh, right after uh, in that 20 minute window. Um, and then really dedicated about uh, fueling during um, workouts. So I, I used to, when I was a cyclist, my previous coach 
few years back have been into this idea of kind of metabolic training mm-hmm. um, is what we called it at least and um, going out basically fasted on say a Saturday morning 60 mile ride and go out and you, you teach your body to burn fat and that is what happens um, but I think now and so I wouldn't eat I would go on that ride and actually remarkably feel pretty good on a lot of these rides um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, nothing you know wasn't going all out or anything but going for 50 miles having fasted from the night before and now I'm not I'm not doing any of that I'm um, I'm I think what what Matt says at least and I think I'm with him is that in that scenario yes you are burning fat and you're teaching your body to burn fat but what it's doing right afterwards is saying oh boy you really just burned a lot of fat we better store a lot of fat again now <laughs> and that's not necessarily it puts your body into kind of a high stress state what you want so now i'm i'm all about the you know uh um you know 150 calories an hour while you're out there even if it's just two-hour ride, you know, take something, um, really keep the levels up and keep the stress, the stress low. So I'm um, sponsored by Cliff Bar, and I've always loved, I sought them out because I've always loved their stuff. I love yeah. their, like, nutty, um, they have, like, this nut butter-filled line that I'm into these days. Um, and uh, so that will often be that, like, post-workout snack tool will be some sort of, like, a trail mix bars that are great and the mojo bars are also great um and yeah as far as far as during racing i have a pretty strong stomach um as well and uh during like those been doing booze and water and uh keep it quick and simple and um seemed to work pretty well for me in the half iron i did like seven uh, cliff shots on the bike and with water and then a few more on the run. It seemed to seem to be a pretty good strategy for me. I think I'm lucky that I don't have a, you know, overly sensitive stomach uh, in those situations. Yeah. I wonder if the diff, sometimes you wonder if the difference between pros and for long course, right? The fast people and the slower people is is equally or more so as much as they have a they have the genetics for a strong stomach <laughs> than, than than speed you know because you got to at some point you got to start fueling that engine and if you have a weak stomach that can't digest stuff then um you that just cuts you off at the knees right right then and there it's, yeah, I've had I've had people tell me that they're like you are so lucky. I'm sure that's like a mm-hmm. big reason of why you you do so well is that you're you're, you're able you're able to be topped up, right? Like yeah, you're, doesn't bother you. You're able to, to burn sugar. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah and Cliff Bar, I love Cliff Bar. That's such a good comp- company. I mean, I don't know anybody such there cool or company. anything, but they seem to me to be like a good, like a a good holistic kind of good natured happy company to uh, be sponsored for sure yeah yeah i like i worked a bunch of their um events and uh just hanging out with uh with the staff they're they're great and i like their their message and they're trying to Uh go for all organic and uh fair trade products which i think is all really cool and non-gmo and they're really pushing to try to do the right thing uh, which is cool that's important such a big company you know and they're doing so well they they don't you know they wouldn't have to do that but um they yeah. they care care a lot mr mr cliff and i think his wife is named kit and, um, how old is he so uh yeah i think he's 
you know what? I'm not sure. So there's, there's Chris. So there's the younger there's like two generations involved. I right. think it's like maybe Cliff is the dad. Right, he named the, founder, the bar after his dad. The, after right. his dad, right? Yeah. yeah. So I want to say that he started it when he was like, you know, early 30s. Cause I think he'd been kind of a uh, little bit of vagabond and his dad thought he was never going to amount to much. And then he goes <laughs> and flounds down Cliff Bar. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe dad, one day I named the, the guy. bars after you, dad. I learned it from you. <laughs> Because you didn't believe in me. <laughs> How can you be mean to me and tell me to get a job when I've named him after you? Um, so <laughs> what are some go. other sponsors you've got going on? And you got some new ones, you said? Yeah. What are you looking at her? Yeah. So um, it's a tough game, as anyone who's tried to, to mm-hmm. play the game knows, um, yeah. especially being in not having pro results on my resume. I don't think that's, that's probably not helping my cause. Yeah. But um, I think I've been pretty lucky. So I've had uh, products um, from Clip Bar last year, and I have that again this year, and I have some and um, have some financial support from this neat uh, a charity that's called the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, and the charity basically supports military veterans coming um, who are getting back into sports after recovery. So mm-hmm. um, the this founder is a triathlete and, you know, supporting what I was doing. And so it's cool to kind of be involved in, especially with the, um, they have a lot of traumatic brain injury stuff and with the research I'm doing. Um, otherwise I've got, yes, yeah, Sunto. So Bill Porter, your buddy, he's been awesome. I love, love the Sunto watches and, um, cool, cool looking and cool function. And, uh, then I've got Mavic wheels, which is also that same company that, um, they own Mavic and, uh, Sunto. Oh, and um, Solomon. Yeah. They own yeah. Solomon. Yeah. And Solomon. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have a great a massage, like sports recovery um, massage therapist who um, is a sponsor dynamic alignment training center. And she gives me um, a few massages per month, which is great to keep things, uh-huh. keep things, to keep things running. So I've got a pretty good, uh, yeah, pretty good setup going on. I'm trying to figure out, yeah, figure out a few more few more people to add in the Central Park Track Club, the running club has been great there, helping me with travel and airfare a little bit too. So Oh, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, I think I'm yeah, pretty pretty lucky and um and uh, maybe yeah, in the coming weeks here if I can get a, a few more and put together and putting together um my kit design and everything. So it should be exciting. That's cool. Good 2017. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, and uh, what races do you think you're going to be doing? So, haven't nailed it down too much yet, but probably will definitely um, do New York City Try home wow. race, and then I'll jump in a bunch of the uh, Ironman 70.3s, so probably do oh, three or four of those. Yeah, Santa Rosa, maybe? Yeah, and, probably Santa Rosa, formerly known as Vine Man. Right. Um, and then probably do, might do Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, might do Austin again, might work. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Timberman up in um, New Hampshire. Yeah. Those are the, the potentials on the docket. And then um, 
do um there's a a few rev three races that are not too far um and those are olympic so there's a quasi and up in connecticut rev three um that has a little pro field a decent little prize purse well he's a good motivator and uh then let's see on pocono rev three pocono mountains uh, as well out in pennsylvania uh, probably probably well and then We'll see how the 70.3s go, but it would be awesome to um, qualify for Chattanooga World since it's uh, at oh, home yeah. this year. And, you know, just being, I mean, there'll be a stacked field, so I won't be, you know, I'll be fine with a, a top 15 or top 20 uh, finish, but it could be cool to race in, in that kind of environment of world champs at home. And uh, I need to look into a little bit more exactly what it would take to qualify for for that. Um, but yeah, those should be, those will be the those will be the big ones. I see. I'm looking in the news right now because I could have sworn I'd seen this. Um, Rev three in Maine has been acquired oh, yeah. by mm-hmm. Iron Man. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. And. Um, Cedar Point and Knoxville races are going to be discontinued. Mm. So that's unfortunate. If, yeah, it is. They're going by the wayside every year, it seems like. But yeah, I like that brand, I think too. Those, I never did one of their races. Yeah, I like yeah. They're not I down where I live. Summer. Okay, they're not. They're more on the East Coast, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, at least I like but. the logo. <laughs> <laughs> like logo, cool. I like the, the Revolution Three. That's a good, a good uh, tagline. Yeah, it's good so cool. I want to see them succeed. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, thanks for your time, and uh, yeah. let me know if if I missed anything, or you want to give a shout out to to anything. I I learned of a new question to ask during an interview. Um, what is something that we probably don't know about you? And triathlon, or just about mm. you. Okay, ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, something you don't know. Hmm. Um, that I'm always, always the very last one to get in, like into the corral or into the water or like yeah. I'm I'm terrible. Like I almost have missed like a million race starts. You'd think that somebody who was like going to try to win the thing would be there like <laughs> first and showed up and like had done their so, toilet, you know, bathrooming. Yeah. But no, I'm terrible. It's, this isn't like, a strategy. Always, this is you're just late. No, no, this is so bad. I'm really something I'm trying to work on. Like at Cozumel Worlds, uh-huh. I there was already had lined up like the next three groups and I had to like jump three fences and <laughs> squiggle down I was like throwing on my goggles as yeah. I'm running down the plank I jump in the water and they fire the gun so oh maybe I can attribute my bad swim to that <laughs> but no I think a lot of people so. do that on purpose as a strategy to not be mm. at the front and be nervous and waste a lot of nervous right. energy they're like I just show up walk over and start <laughs> <laughs> okay right so maybe it's working in my favor it might be there's there's also something with um uh they did some studies that showed that swimmer definitely swimmers maybe baseball players but anyway bur- um uh sports where it requires a burst of uh strength 
um, the less they warmed up, oh, sprinting, like 100, uh, 100 meters um, mm. uh, running, you know, track, that um, the less the athletes warmed up, actually, the faster they went. Because if you stretch and warm up, you're loosening up the uh, rubber band action of your muscles and the springiness. You're kind of... Uh, right, right. And, and, and actually, for hard starts... Um, that it, you actually want that uh, springiness still in your body, and you don't want to stretch it out so that it's too loose. It's pretty interesting. So right, that is okay. Well, that's yeah. that's uh, either way. Might, strategy might then. Be okay. Just hop in. It might be your thing. Hop in and go. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't stop, but we're not doing as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks again, mm-hmm. and um, I'll be in touch. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thanks to Bill too for giving me a shout out, and um, great to great to talk with you. Thanks for taking the time. Enjoy your trip. All right, thanks. It's been fun. Bye. Okay. All right. Great to meet you. Bye bye now. All right, rock and roll. Thank you very much, Cecilia Davis Hayes, and you can go find out more about her and follow her career as she turns pro at Cecilia davishayes.com Alright, this is the part of the show where we read off some donations and some emails. I got a list going here. Let me slide the email up to the top of the list here. And yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff. Um, Coming up soon, after we do this, I've got some audio of uh, me out trail running in the swamp and then coming across an ultra marathon off-road 100 miler (laughs) so stay tuned okay let's see you can uh support the show by uh, going to zentrathlon.com and there's links on the left for stuff to help support uh, the show via a paypal donation either one time or recurring and there's links on the right about hornet juice which i will mention by uh well by the time we wrap up uh these donations here so let's go ahead and start off with john morgan he uh sent in a donation on and also a an email just a real quick one he said hey brett uh talking about the last show uh that was really deep you are my podcast coach the longer between episodes the better they are leading by example i learned so much thank you very much john morgan well hey man thank you that means a lot and let's see, we have donations by Peter Salzen, James Godak, Todd Nelson, Brian Kemper, Matthew Heinz, Matthew Frois, M. Webb, Sparos Fetsis, Tyler Moyer, Joseph Deber, or Diber, and Dwayne Morin, Joseph Rogowski, how you doing, man? Richard Trago, and James Von Hippel, and Houston Marsh, way up in Canada still, I believe, and... Peter Diaz, and oh man, wouldn't that be cool if uh, Nate Diaz, what's his brother's name, uh, listened to this show? They do Iron Man's. Wouldn't that be a trip to have one of those guys on the podcast and uh, get them in to see how they train with uh, doing half Iron Man's at least with um, being UFC fighters at the same time? Top, top UFC fighters. And let's see, Michael Redogna. And Brett Hoyer, the coolest first name in triathlon. Thank you very much. Just like this gang did, you can help support the show. 
like I said on the left-hand side of the show, there's the podcast, uh, the PayPal link, uh, one-time donation, or you can do it super easy and just do a recurring donation. It ends up being less than four bucks a month. I set it to three ninety-five a month, so you get uh, just around a dollar per show. And also on the right-hand side is a link to Hornet Juice, which is another great way to sponsor the show, and you get something in your hands in return that's really cool. So it's an amino acid. Hornet juice is an amino acid mix, so it's basically protein, but it's uh, made in a lab, (laughs) and it's the exact same ratio as killer hornet, Japanese killer hornet saliva, and it's the uh, the same ratio that they use to burn body fat to go really, 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 really far. They are the heaviest weight uh, to distance ratio of any creature on earth for as far as they go on burning body fat. And scientists figure this out and they say, how does this Japanese killer hornets are massive and how do they fly so far without eating anything? And they looked at their uh, larva saliva and they, um, they use this to, uh, to digest, uh, to process their own body fat, to fly super, super far. And it is crazy stuff. And you can get a 10 pack or a 20 pack. Um, uh, I think we've got coming, uh, 30 packs and 50 and a hundred packs, but I've been using it for years and studies show over and over and over again. If you're doing something more than an hour or two, then a little bit of protein mixed in with your fuel, uh, preserves your muscle and allows you to uh, keep using uh, body fat as well um, instead of digging so deep into your carbohydrate reserves instead of tearing up your body. So you're looking at Olympic distance, uh, half Ironman, Ironman, ultra distance marathons, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, A little bit of Hornet juice mixed in is super cool. One packet, just one packet lasts an hour and a half, not just 20 minutes. So you get a lot of bang for your buck out of this stuff. And then Hornet Juice, when they get the order, they actually send it to me. I send you a personalized email back that says, Howdy, from Texas. And I just filled an order to uh, Australia, Victoria, Melbourne, and also one to Arizona. So you get an email from me, personally signed. And now you have my email address, and we can hang out over Google Gmail and talk talk shop all you want. And then also the package comes from New Zealand and it's got a hornet on it that looks insane. And now you have something really cool so they can show all your friends. I got the stuff from New Zealand and it's killer Japanese hornet saliva and it burns body fat and now I will be faster than all of you. Woo! It's really cool, just like that. And yeah, when, uh, when Hornet Juice gets the order from me, turned over from me, they turn around and give a tiny little slice off the top back to Zentri for helping them uh, get the word out there. And so that's how you help support the show. So we get a little bit and you get a lot. You get all that that Hornet Juice uh, powder. And and then also you get to help out the show. So it's cool all around. It's really, really cool stuff. All right. That's enough of that, man. Let's go ahead and get into the training log. Like I said, uh, we've got swim stuff. I give, oh man, I have like this really cool swim workout that I came up with using paddles, drag chute, and the pool boy all at the same time. 
It's pretty nuts. <laughs> Better lock down your shoulders because this thing is epic. And oh, if I can do it, and my left arm's uh, still healing from being broken. If I can do it with a healing uh, broken left arm, then uh, you can do it too. And yeah, we got some swim stuff. And yeah, we've got running out in the swamp and a hundred miler going on around me and just some cool things like that. Some insight on being a dad and having to sacrifice training time because uh, my son uh, needs his dad there for Boy Scout stuff. I've become an assistant scout master in a Boy Scout troop. So I have to give up a weekend of training so that I can uh, go and um, be the leader, the adult leader at the uh, at a big camp out in the swamp. It was pretty cool. It was actually cold. Uh, I think it got below freezing uh, the first night. And I guess, I don't know if it made it into the training log or not, but I broke my treadmill. I think that was at the beginning of the show. I was running and I cracked my treadmill. So now as I get off the mic and we go into the training log and then wrap up the show, I will be heading over to Academy, which is a big um, sports and outdoors store and see what kind of deals they have on treadmills. Looks like Xterra makes a, is a branded, a rebranded uh, other company that actually makes some pretty good treadmills. So I'm going to be checking out those. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right, welcome to a new training love. Getting in the Nissan Xterra with the swim rack on top. Putting my wet swimsuits, leaving the pool. And let's see, we're going to talk a little bit about the drag chute. I've been uh, swimming with it for almost a year now. And I don't want to recommend things that I don't know fully what I'm talking about. And that's why I've been waiting. I've been talking about it a little bit, but I haven't been recommending exactly how to work out with a drag chute. I'm looking left, looking right. And we can cross. Got the wireless, not wireless, the lapel mic that I just dropped my phone uh, so I can record while driving. Hands free. Uh, windshield wipers. It's a little bit wet outside. And uh, I, uh, when I broke my arm a year ago, I was looking for ways to uh, um, get creative with swimming to improve my improve my swim and heal my arm I'll just I'll just kind of crazy things and um, one of the things I came across was the drag chute and what it does it creates a huge amount of resistance and it made me uh, go back to thinking about when I was in high school I was on a um, uh, state championship level uh, super giant high school, you know, 2,000, 3,000 students um, swim team. And we had surgical tubing that you tied to one side of the pool. You, you tie it to the swim block. And then it had a waistband. You tie it around your waist, and you would try to swim to the other side of the pool. And the further you got away from one side 
and tried to get to the other side, the harder and harder and harder it got. And we would do sets of trying to swim to the other side and it was brutal, but it is absolutely one of the very uh, notable things uh, that made us faster swimmers. And I've, I bought um, surgical tubing that you can tie to the edge of the pool and tie around your waist. It was pretty cheap um, from one of the online swim stores, probably Swim Outlet. And it's just a lot of silliness looking stuff. And um, I ended up not using it. And I couldn't get one that it just didn't work right. Um, swimming on my own. Uh, it's different when you're on a team and everybody's, you know, setting them all up and you're going to do intervals like that. But um, they're like big rubber bands that tie you to one side of the pool. But the, uh, like I said about a year ago, um, I found these drag chutes. And doing just a little bit of research on them, I uh, quickly realized that the consensus by world-class coaches was these things are awesome, 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 awesome. And um, so I got one, and they're cheap, um, 20 to 30 bucks, order it online. Um, I'm not sure what brand I got, maybe Finesse, uh, and I got it from swimoutlet.com, trying to merge here in traffic. And... car in front of me doesn't know what he's doing and he's hauling a trailer and there's a car to the left of me clowns to the left of me jokers to the right here i am stuck in traffic again come on dude let's go and the uh the, the there's a video about how to use the drag chute stuff like that but there's swim team practice and then there's triathlon open water long distance practice right so I get this drag chute. There's an eight inch and a 12 inch, and it kind of depends on your size and your speed. So I got the 12 inch, and as soon as I got it, I was like, oh crap, I got myself into something bad. <laughs> it, it is pretty epic. And uh, you, uh, you swim along, and it is like pulling an anchor behind you. And, um, it creates just a huge amount of burn in your shoulders very, very quickly. So it's kind of like lifting weights while swimming. But it's doing it in the exact, the exactly correct muscles and muscle motion, the coordination and the, uh, the timing that you need um, for swimming. Because you could go to the gym and do the and lift weights to strengthen the muscles, but man, this... This does it, you know, along with the coordination at the same time. And unlike a uh, pool boy, um, you have to kick uh, as well, or you can kick as well. And you can do multiple strokes. Um, I've done drag shoot. I did it the other day doing 200 IMs. That's where you do butter, back, breast, free. Butter, back, breast, free. Butter, back, breast, free. And I was doing it with doing the drag shoot. And oh my God, butterfly with a drag chute is a nightmare, <laughs> but it's fun. But anyway, what I found out was after almost a year of using this thing, I, I've come across what might be one of the ultimate 
uh, workouts. And it's uh, swim easy for 10 minutes, get in the pool, and uh, just swim easy. Um, and that's just to loosen up and stuff. The older you get, the more important it is. And then the, uh, the next thing is 10 minutes of drag shoot. And you're like, oh my God, 10 minutes. 10 minutes of anything. It's like, no, just 10 minutes. And the important thing is to not go too hard. Um, and this is critical right here. You don't need to go hard when wearing a drag shoe. It's kind of like you don't need to walk fast when carrying a 50-pound backpack. <laughs> the 50-pound backpack already does all the work for you. There's no extra required effort to get from point A to point B any faster for it to uh, do its job. And hold on, drink some coffee. And that's what I noticed is you swim at the drag chute um, for extended periods of time, like many minutes at a time, especially 10 minutes. Um, I've done 20 minutes, I've done 30 minutes with the drag chute, but it seems like 10 minutes is nice. And you, uh, after just a minute, it's, it sets in a, um, a very light burn and then that's what you wanna hold. And then, this is critical right here, what I figured out is a way for you to tell if you're going too hard or, or not. And let me back up on that for a second. When you're doing longer sets of resistance stuff, say like hill climbing, you know, uh, on the run or on the bike, you don't, want, you don't want to go too hard. You don't need to go too hard because you're already going longer. You're going multiple minutes at an at a, uh, elevated effort. Um, now, if you were going like a very short amount of time, yeah, you want to go really hard. But since you're going longer, then um, you don't want to go too hard. Um, and this goes back to one of the very well-established best ways to get better on the bike is intervals of 20 minutes um, at, you know, a, like a, a light burn. It's at, at um, a threshold. Uh, very very light burn, near light burn, just above light burn, kind of floating around in that area. And um, that, that sets you up for stimulating just awesome muscle growth. And then you take a break, and then you do it again. And it's like, the, the better you get, the more of them you do for your, for your hard day on the bike. And then you'll find that you can ride up hills, long distances, everything, way faster and a way, uh, way easier with less fatigue than you ever could before, right? So it's extended periods of light burn of like an eight out of 10, not really, not even a nine out of 10, more like an eight, eight and a half out of 10 effort level. And that will um, set you up for improvement. So what I figured out is in the swim, 10 minutes, let's say, of this uh, effort. Now, how can you tell if you're going too hard or not? Uh, if you can't do a flip turn while pulling the drag chute, when you get to the wall, then you're going too hard. Uh, if you have to stop and catch your breath at the 
at the uh, turnaround, then that's too hard. So it's, you're like, well, then I'm going to be, if I don't need to stop and catch my breath, then uh, I'm not going hard enough. No, that's the trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Is uh, because it's 10 minutes with a drag shoot, and a drag shoot is like unrelenting. It's like a tractor beam. Like in Star Wars, when they're trying to fly away from the Death Star, and it just sucks them in, there's like no escaping this thing. So you don't need to try all that hard. Uh, you just need to be patient. And boy, when you get to the end of that 10 minutes, you're like, okay, I get it. And then when you get done with uh, 10 minutes drag shoot, 10 minutes easy, 10 minutes drag shoot, 10 minutes easy, um, and, and then 10 minutes drag shoot, that third 10 minutes, that's when you add them all together, that's 30 minutes of drag shoot time. And uh, it's you'll feel it. Like, it is just cooked your arms so perfectly and so nicely. It's kind of like a, a baked potato, you know. It's done just right. It's fluffy all in your arms. <laughs> and then, the cool thing is, is it's also working your legs, right? Unlike a pool boy. If you're, if you're using a pool boy, well, you're not working your legs. And then, during the 10 minutes easy, you can work on your technique. And then the 10 minutes hard, you work on you know uh, stimulating muscle growth uh, by by uh, initiating burn. And then the other cool tip that I figured out is, along with the drag shoot, is how to wear it. Now, when I first started out, I did what they do in the videos, and you have the drag shoot um, tied around your waist. It pops on and off like really, it's just a belt clip, almost like a seatbelt, and it. Uh, around your waist coming off uh, your tailbone, off your butt, behind you. And I, after a while, after many, many months of swimming like that, I finally realized what that's doing is, it's okay, it's not bad. You're not doing anything horrible there. But the better way is to turn it around and have it so that it's, um, coming across your front uh, it's hanging off of your front and pulling down kind of like the front of your crotch is where the uh, line is coming off of to the chute and what that does is it puts the um, it puts the string it's more like webbing you know like a thin band uh, that's pulling on the drag chute it puts it um, so that it's your, your toes and your shins and the tops of your feet are, are hitting the drag chute uh, far more often than your heels. And what that does is it inspires you to get your feet up because you don't want to hit that thing so much. And also, um, hitting, that, hitting the strap, whether it's behind you or in front of you, the front of your feet or, or, the, or your heels is, is annoying. And you may even worry that you're going to end up abrading your feet, you know, with scratches and stuff like that. And I can uh, promise you that that's uh, not what happens. So don't worry about that uh, because I've been doing it and it doesn't. Your feet are fine. Don't worry about it tearing up your feet. And then also you're worried that... Um, See, it's tearing up your feet. Hold on, there's an accident up ahead. I have to, 
have to cogitate here for a second. I have to think about what I'm doing. Oh, um, oh, it's annoying. Well, guess what else is annoying? Is during a triathlon, open water swim, race, people tapping your feet, tapping your feet, tapping your feet, uh, swimming over your heels, uh, banging into your feet. So you're just practicing what's going to happen on race day anyway. And it's only for 10 minutes at a time. You get a 10 minutes break off. So your next question may be, you know, this sounds like a nightmare. This, this sounds like torture. And I can tell you, no, it's not, man. It's actually a lot of fun. And also the looks you get from people that think you're insane is also a lot of fun. And um, to prove that it's uh, fun is my 12-year-old son uh, actually likes swimming with it to the point of where I'm getting him his own. He... Uh, he wants his own. <laughs> so they come in two different sizes. There's, I, I've got the 12 inch and, um, again, that thing is brutal. And then there's an eight inch, which has a, a lot less drag. Um, and so I'm going to get Kai that one and, uh, he's going to have his own. We're going to keep it, keep it with him. And speaking of that, um, I've been using the, uh, Sunto, uh, Spartan ultra and, uh, they implemented auto pause Oh my God, it's so much better than before. That was my big thing. It was like, man, we got to get autopause on this thing. And it was so cool uh, coming out of the water and uh, finishing my swim. Uh, yeah, coming out of the water, walking into the locker room. And because it's Bluetooth enabled, it automatically reconnected to my phone through the locker. My phone's in the locker. And a text message from Kai popped up on my uh, watch and he was asking about something. Uh, oh, he's, he asked, uh, are we going to um, bike tonight? And I knew uh, from that, that instead of taking uh, you know, my time in the shower and, um, uh, and then getting dressed and getting to my phone, you know, eventually when I get there, that actually um, I needed to open up my locker now and reply to him, uh, yes, we are um, going to bike tonight and it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's pretty cool. And then also um, we went mountain biking the other day uh, with another kid that's Kai's age. And this other kid is a beast. Like he is insanely good at uh, everything triathlon. Um He's like a level above Kai, just barely, but he operates on another level. <laughs> Except that we just, um, when we went uh, mountain biking, Kai uh, beat this kid an hour, yeah, like an hour and one minute. So just almost exactly an hour of mountain biking with hill climbs and then a gravel road with a double hill, steep hill uh, finish. And Kai beat uh, this other kid back to the car. And I am positive it's because Kai has been riding on Zwift a couple of times. Um, all we did to get it to work, Zwift is that video game that you can ride. Uh, we put a Wahoo uh, speed sensor on his uh, rear wheel. And then told the, um, you tell Zwift uh, that you're on a trainer and also to use the Wahoo um, speed sensor for speed, and it figures out your watts, and then you're on there riding with all these other people around the world, and um, picked Kai the hilly route, and he's done 
two or three times he's done the hilly route on Zwift Island and on his trainer. And I don't have to do anything. I don't have to motivate him or anything. Other people start passing him. He starts uh, riding um, uh, uphill and everything. And then it turns out when we go out riding together, um, Kai has uh, seriously upped his game to be as fast as the, uh, the uber badass kid that is the super cyclist. And that's awesome, man. So Zwift works. Um, it works for kids even. <laughs> and it was uh, pretty simple. I think Zwift was um, 10 bucks for the uh, month. And it's 10 bucks a month. And the uh, and again, the Wahoo thing is like 30 bucks or something. You can get the Wahoo. Um, get the Wahoo one with the uh, cadence sensor as well, but you don't need it. Uh, Zwift figures it out anyway. It doesn't care. And I think that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to ride the, uh, we're going to ride Zwift and, and kill it. And then also Kai's, um, there's a local mountain bike club uh, put on by the high school. And Kai is going to be um, on that. We're, we've got a meeting Thursday night. We're actually going to see how that's going to work out and see if he's going to be um, allowed on the team because he's pretty young. And uh, that's um, yeah something we're working on. So that's it. I'm going to talk to you guys later. Out, bang. Hello. All right. I am at Brazos Bend State Park, and we're going to record while I run here just a minute. This is super cool. I'm uh, an assistant scoutmaster for the Boy Scout troop. Let me adjust my bottles here. And we're camping here for the weekend. It's south of Houston. And I'll get to more of that in a second. Why, oh, this is really interesting. And as I got word as the weekend approached, we're doing Friday night, Saturday night, and then leaving Sunday morning. And we're doing primitive camping, sorta. Small Boy Scout troop, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I got word a couple days ago that it's, oh, and it's Saturday morning, that there's a, a 100 mile trail run going on here at the same time. And I was like, oh man, I wonder if it's the Brazos Bend, I think that's what it's called, 100. And it is, and I'm out for a jog. We did morning stuff, got the patrol leaders and senior patrol leader all organizing the scouts and got other dads, assistant scoutmasters and stuff. So I made sure I wasn't needed going out for a seven mile jog and I'm trying to stay away from the ultra marathon. And yet I ended up for a quarter mile on the same trail. It's awesome. <laughs> So this is about an hour south of Houston, and it's uh, swampy, beautiful, absolutely beautiful, beautiful. And it's a designated dark area, which means they have an observatory, so you can see stars. It's actually cold, it got down around freezing last night, but 
Oh, it's actually real green and lush. Tons of wildlife. And the coolest thing is this is the place where when they want to relocate an alligator that they found in another park, they bring it here. So this is the land of the big gators. So Huntsville State Park, we do the Rocky Raccoon, has alligators. And when the alligators there get around 9, 10 feet, too big, a little bit of a threat. Guess what they do? They catch them and bring them here. So there's giant alligators. I haven't seen one yet, but it's cold right now. But lots of videos of them online, big gators. And the other thing is, if you want to do your first 100 miler, I'm sitting here thinking, this is the one I should have done first. <laughs> it is so flat. It, I think there's 10 feet of elevation gain uh, in this one spot. That's it. It's super, super, super flat. And it's on trails that are kind of wide and have the slightest bit of give to them. And there's these big trees. I'm going about to go into one right now. Well, I mean, there's just everywhere. And it's forested with the Spanish moss. It's creepy like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Just Spanish moss hanging everywhere. And it's quiet. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. There's 30-something miles of trails or more. And you can actually mountain bike on a bunch of them. It's just gorgeous but oh my gosh it's so lush so uh, but never <laughs> this is the most yet where I've seen a, the, the conflict the yin-yang of what I'm having to do at this stage in my life and be a be a present dad, uh, helping my son become a man with his uh, Boy Scouts. So I'm needing to do Boy Scout stuff, be here. And then all around me is ultra marathoning going on. And I'm having to choose, you know, like do this instead of that. okay it's not going anywhere I can always go back and do more of this stuff and also you just pick just choose your weekend so you, you know, it's like well this weekend I'm not gonna do scout stuff and I'm gonna do ultra this and ultra that but anyway it's super super cool especially when uh, one of the reasons I went on this camp out because I had a choice I'm not the scout master I'm not required in fact, even the Scoutmaster is not coming on this camp. <laughs> He's got work. Was I've never been to this park. And I'm like, you know, open-eyed, beginner's mind. I'm like, I've never been there. I want to see it. Because everybody is just going, yeah, it's just this park. And wow, it's awesome. It's really, really cool. So I think that's it. But I also just want to give a shout out to P. 
people that want to come do this. I mean, I'm looking at a vine here, a series of vines that's climbing the street. I'm looking at it over there. The vine is probably two feet in circumference climbing up this tree. It's so crazy. Oh, what mile is that? Five miles. That one was an 11 minute mile. Just jogging easy on these trails. Listen. Yeah. So nice. So if you're looking for your first 100 miler, I highly recommend this one. So flat. And then you do an easy one first. And if you finish it, then you go, okay. Now I'm gonna do something a little bit harder. All right, so this is 10 feet of elevation gain, like per, I don't know, per 25 miles. You know, it's like nothing. And then Rocky Raccoon is 50, 50 feet of elevation gain per mile. Way different. Okay, that's it. I need to save the battery on my phone. Super stoked. All right, out, bing. All right, all right. Man, I have a really good swim workout for you guys. I just came up with while I was at the, the Pizzle Rizzle. <laughs> No, that doesn't sound good. Anyway, at the pool, now leaving the pool, just chow down on, on an Amrita bar. Hold on, let me buckle up. In the Zentri Mobile Studios, and had a whopper of a really cool workout idea. And you're gonna need some toys, which is fun. The cool thing is, is they're super cheap toys. I've talked about them all before, I think. Maybe not the pool boy so much. Pool boy is the foam thing you put between your legs. Pool buoy. And uh, what that does is it lifts your back end up and keeps you from kicking as much and really teaches you to, and it forces down your upper body, which forces you to do more flexibility in your, in your shoulders to get your up, arms up and out of the water, which is nice. Uh, the pool boy is what initially was my first ever swim toy that made a huge difference in my uh, in my swimming. I mean, you can get pretty good just with that. But anyway, you get in and you swim easy freestyle for a while, uh, five, ten minutes until you feel kind of bored and loosened up. Everything's all nice and warmed up. And then you add the pool boy and you swim 100 with the pool boy no big deal right and then and that puts a little bit of uh, of torque against your arms and then you add <laughs> then you add the paddles and the finesse agility paddles are officially now my favorite and forever because there's no straps on them so you can just put them on boom on go right because in triathlon we want to minimize time at the wall 
we want to just be moving, moving, moving because this is an endurance sport. And then the next thing is we do 100 with that. So now you've got pull boy and paddles. <laughs> and then you add the drag chute. Yes, the drag chute, pull boy, and paddles all at the same time. And you do 100 with that. And that puts, uh, well, the paddles put a lot more torque on your arms and teach you like uh, clean entry and pull while putting torque on. Now you got the pull boy and the paddles, and then you add on the drag chute. And the level of resistance is like you're doing push ups, single arm push ups in the water, and you do a 100 of that. And then it's up to you which thing you remove first. But you remove, for example, um, the paddles. So you take off the paddles, but you're still swimming against a drag chute. And you're still swimming with the uh, pool boy between your legs, which is uh, still some resistance, just not quite as much. It's about two-thirds the resistance of what you were doing before. And then you swim, you swim that for 100. And remember, the time at the wall is uh, your attempt at zero. So it'll be like three seconds, five seconds as you kind of switch things out. But that's it. And then you uh, remove something else. So let's say we remove the drag chute. Is that what we remove the paddles? So now you remove the pool boy. And now you're left with just the drag chute and you do a hundred of that. And then you're left with your one last thing, your, uh, your drag chute. Now you remove that. And now you're back to clean, old, regular freestyle and you can feel a huge difference in your freestyle stroke because you've spent basically 600 yards doing resistance and other things that, uh, that clean up your stroke. So now you go back to a basic uh, 100 yards freestyle. And then you turn around and you add back in the pull boy. Always on the way up, it's pull boy, paddles, drag shoot. But... Your workouts, if they get too predictable, get boring. So what you do is on the way back down, you just remove whatever you feel like removing that time. And don't worry too much about it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to, don't try to come up with a plan. You need a little bit of randomness to make workouts fun and a little bit of experimentation to kind of see what you like and, and different things. So whatever you remove, uh, don't try to remember what you removed last time first. Just remove whatever and go with it. It's cool. And what I found out is over an hour, you can only get this done like three times, <laughs> maybe four times. And what's beautiful about it is you only need to look at your watch um, to see what time it is, like for an hour workout. You don't need to do interval times like uh, I've been swimming you know, on a 120, on a 100, uh, you know, uh, 135, all that stuff and keep an interval. No, all you got to do is just minimize your time at the wall. Um, I have a, a water bottle uh, at the wall, no fuel, just water. And I take a sip on occasion. The pool I swim in is really hot, kind of sucks. And so I take a sip of uh, cold water um, to kind of keep uh, the fuel I ate, the you can, 
or the Amrita bar that I ate uh, before the swim uh, from getting too dried out in my gut. So just a little bit of water. And that's it, man. And this is the first time I've ever done that workout, and I am addicted, man. It is so cool to uh, build up and then build back down and then build up and then build back down. And what you're, what you're feeling for is that burn in your arms. And uh, there's, there's things you need to know is that let's say you're doing paddles and a, um, a pool boy together. Your turnover is so slow uh, because you're gliding through the water so fast that while you are improving your strength and your, and your efficiency and your, your glide, your hydrodynamics through the water, you are actually undoing uh, your cadence. You can get used to going really, really slow, and then when you need to do a higher turnover, then you're, uh, you've been practicing this low cadence, and that's uh, suboptimal. And uh, so that's why sometimes on occasion you end up with just the drag chute. And just the drag chute um, actually gives you a really, really high cadence because you're going nowhere, <laughs> but you're going nowhere fast. So your turnover is actually higher than what it would normally be uh, if you were just swimming uh, on your own um, uh, with nothing, right? So now you're, you're doing a high the, the drag uh, gives you a high cadence drill or higher than what you would normally do, which improves your swimming as well. Higher cadence means less effort, but it's a neuromuscular thing. You got to fire that off. All right. I'm super stoked. Discovered a new swim workout. Couldn't wait to share it with y'all. I was swimming and going, oh my gosh, I need to, uh, I can't wait to get in the car and hook up the mic and dish this one out for the peeps out there for the Zentri Samurai. For the Shogun Warriors out there. Alright, that's it. I'll be back. Out, bang. Alright, alright. Let's go ahead and make this the last training log entry for the uh, for this episode. Lots of cool stuff. I interviewed Rob Gray last night, the guy who got second at um, Ultraman Hawaii Championship. So lots of questions on uh, what he did differently than Florida. Uh, he he had a, a massive uh, quad pain. I don't even call it cramps, just pain. Uh, the last uh, 10, 12, 14 miles of the uh, run. It's a three-day race. The last day is a double marathon. And uh, we talk about downhill running and how that causes that kind of stuff. And uh, going into the recording... Um, I wanted to work out right when I got home from work, you know, so like 5, 30, 6 o'clock, and then have dinner, and then uh, uh, later, and then do the phone call with him, and because that's, I, I scheduled it like that on purpose, and what happened is something that happens to me on occasion is I get grumpier and grumpier and grumpier, and then I get on the bike, and or run or whatever I'm going to do and I've got both no energy and I'm in a bad mood and I can tell I've been short with people like my responses to other people are real uh, like Emily and Kai are just abrupt I'm trying not to be rude but my just just a bad mood and so 
I got all set up on the bike, pedaled for probably five minutes and then cut it. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> um, I need a nap instead. And um, then uh, the, and so I started trying to get a nap uh, so I could be fresh for the uh, interview. And then within moments, uh, Emily comes up to me with Kai and some paperwork and says, Kai needs help with his homework. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't get the nap I wanted, but I did get to relax and kind of regroup and skip a workout is the whole point. And also that's the uh, trials and tribulations of an age group or triathlete uh, and one with kids of our problems we face. And that's why we're not as fast as the pros is uh, the, um, the compromises we have to make with our training goals, but it's worth it, you know? It's worth it uh, to have a nice, stable job and health insurance here in America. You have to have a job, have health insurance pretty much, and because um, other people depend on you, and in the end, that's its own fulfillment. Uh, and it's pretty cool, actually. So uh, then I got that. I was rested and, and whatever. And I got in a great interview with Rob, Rob Gray. And he is one of my favorite people to have on the show uh, because he and I get along so well. And then um, he's really all about success through data and numbers and all that kind of stuff. So we, uh, we get along really good. I got off the interview with him. I came downstairs, and Emily said, how did it go? And I said, <laughs> if we lived in the same town, he lives in Boulder, if we lived in the same town and we were friends, I would be in big trouble because I would be doing so much stuff with this guy if, if I could. Um, it's crazy. So in the, in the interview you're going to hear next episode, we talk about a lot of numbers and the volume of training and how he got in all of his training and just all kinds of cool stuff. So that's pretty neat. And uh, my injury, my plantar fasciitis seems to be almost gone. And I'm at that stage where you've got to follow through with it. You're not done. It's like cresting a hill, cresting a hill on the bike. Just because you get to the top doesn't mean you slow down. It means you, uh, you got to pedal to gain, to keep up your speed um, and get your speed up on the downhill. The hill's not over until you're going fast downhill. And the healing of the injury isn't over until it is over, like 100% gone. So I can't screw it up. And what I've been doing is a combination of several things. Trigger point uh, massage. I've had two now in a month, a month apart. And that seems to release um, tightness in places. The massage therapist is a friend of ours. And she, uh, they basically push on you and poke until you wince. And when they find a place that hurts, they put pressure on it and do slight movements with the muscle, massage the muscle with a lot of pressure to break up the, the adhesions and the contraction and, the, and the, just the uh, little crystals and stuff of, of kind of like scar tissue in there. And just kind of like if you tenderize a piece of meat, right? If you, if you hammer and hammer and pound on a piece of meat, 
um, it's going to be a whole lot softer and the meat is muscle, right? So, and then you can stretch it further and everything else. Um, and I took it one step further is whenever she would, uh, get close to a spot that hurt, I'd go, okay, that hurts right there. <laughs> and so I was giving her uh, feedback on more, less over here, over there and whatever. Um, because a massage is, you know, 50 to a hundred bucks or more, depending on how, how long you go and how expensive the person is. And she, um, uh, you're paying for a lot of money, so you don't want them to try to figure out where the bad spots are. You want to give guidance, which is, uh, really cool. And that's how, you know, it hurts. And then, um, See, my left side's worse than my right, so I could tell that I had spots that were bad because she would do the same thing on the right side, no problem, uh, no pain, whatever, but on the left side, pain, um, in some cases, some cases on the right. I've got a healing broken bone in my foot, uh, and then also a broken toe in the other foot <laughs> uh, that's healing. Um, but anyway, I'm kind of a mess. And then, uh, so the trigger point is releasing tension that's pulling on everything and that pulls on the um, tendons that are inflamed and then also sleeping in a night boot um, which I did a whole bunch of research and that was found to be the most effective way to heal plantar fasciitis is a night boot you can get them really cheap off of Amazon it keeps your foot uh, flat so it can't curl up. Um, you know how you swim and you point your toes back? Well, when you sleep at night, you point your toes down, kind of. A lot of people do, especially if they sleep with the covers too tight over their feet. And then that contracts the, uh, the muscles and tendons in your feet. And then they, heal, they try to heal overnight that way. And then it just rips them apart when you get up and walk. And uh, you want to get, you don't want that. So there's this boot you can sleep in. And the real habit, the real struggle is the habit of always wearing that boot. But it really, really does work. And um, what's the other thing? I did, uh, uh, oh, massaging, self-massage with, uh, with a big, heavy-duty massager. Oh, and then I raised my seat on my bike just a little bit, like a centimeter, and hold on, coffee break. And imagine if you're um, if you're doing a bench press or you're pressing against a wall and you're too close to the wall, well, it's just constant pressure on your hands and arms as you're pushing against the wall. And that's what was going on. And I raised my seat. And so now imagine that you're a little bit further away from the wall or a lot further away from the wall. So you get little breaks. Um, when you're pushing against the wall, like the walls, the pedals on the bike. So you get little breaks and it's not just this constant pressure and tension against your legs. And that majorly helped. And then the last thing is running on the treadmill instead of the, um, instead of outside, because on the treadmill I can do um, exact, exactly flat. I can do 0% grade and run. And then what I figured out with that is 
me not running at all seemed to actually make my feet worse uh, because you're not getting any blood flow and any stretching and anything into the feet. So your feet just get tighter and tighter and more cramped up over time. And then, uh, but running with any kind of incline puts pressure on the calves and the Achilles tendon. And then so they tighten up overnight uh, in reaction to that work. Um, and then they can't heal. Like we were talking about with um, the boot thing, they're just too tense and it irritates them. So running perfectly flat and then also not doing any hard intervals on the bike, really being careful, no intervals. And so it's stretching everything out, but without putting too much pressure. So it's like this perfect in between. It's the, it's the, uh, the medium bowl of porridge, not too hot, not too cold. And that seems to, um, to get everything going. So you need blood flow to things to, um, to help them recover and heal. And that does the trick. All right, I'm at W to the ERK. I'm also recording on a little lapel mic that I got, and we'll see how that works out. And, um, yeah, great interview lined up for next episode with Rob Gray, so stay tuned. And everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out.